Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on social media at Galen Trombley. I hope you enjoy the show. Greetings. Please hold for a very important message. Light speed sequence initiated. How may I help you? Bonjour. Security breach. The truth shall set you free. <laughs> awesome. It's a miracle. Mission complete. Thank you. Have a nice day. Okay. Now we're live. Do you want to do the intro? Welcome, everybody, to the Galen Trombley podcast. Podcast, podcast, podcast. I wish we had one of those, like, those little, like, boom mic thing, or those, like, boom, 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 Do we have sound effects yet? No. We're not. This is low budget. Okay. We we got, we actually, we got to make the sound effects. Go ahead. This is better than the last time you came, though, right? It is. Sound-wise, because you were in the old building, and it was, like, very echoey. So this is, like, more intimate. We got a little bit of soundboard going on. This We got a TV, so I can fact check all your outrageous stories here. (laughs) Um, But my guest today, Joel Wood, um, if you don't know him, you should know him. Most of you probably do know him. He's been on before. Great guy. Friend of the podcast. Um, I feel like I was thinking about this today. I feel like you're one of the guys locally that is, you know, like when people have secret clearance and they know a lot of stuff that most people don't know. I feel like you're one of those guys that you don't let on all the stuff you know, but you know a lot. I can't confirm or deny. Okay, perfect. (laughs) And then uh, new to the show. First time I've ever met her, but I think we're going to have a good time based on some of the uh, pre-show questions. Um, Allie Maggie. Attorney at Clinton County Public Defender's Office. Yes. Hi. That sounds good. Okay. I'm here. I'm here too. <laughs> and we should disclose all of us collectively are on no hours of sleep. So this could go, yes. we said very, very extreme either way, but I think it'll be fun. But we're going to hit an extreme here at some point. We've slept five hours collectively. There's got to be like a full which moon is or something. Way less than just one was. person should sleep. Yeah. 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 Like my eyes are burning right now, but this is good because you guys don't seem boring, which is good. I mean, Joel's not boring. Ali, I figure, I feel this would have been fine. So we're, this will be good. Joel, we know who you are. Allie, give us some background on you first. We can talk about you, I guess, but oh. I mean, do you want to, or you yeah, kind of know he you. He loves talking about himself. Do you uh. want to do background on you? You want to give us like the elevator <laughs> yeah, pitch? Twist my arm. Twist okay. my arm. Do you want to go, you want to bat off, lead off? Or it, do you all, want... it all started on a dark and stormy night on April 4th, 1994. A woman named Jennifer LeBeer, was having a young boy in Tucson, Arizona. And then fast forward 29 years, and here I am. I didn't know you were born in Tucson. I was. How long did you live there? Uh, only like one or two years at the beginning. Okay. And then we moved around a lot because my dad was in the Air Force. And okay. then we wound up back here because my mom had the dairy farm, which I think we've talked about. Yes. We, yes. We, yes. I was going to say, I, I know we do, deep dived in, but I don't think we ever said Tucson. Yeah, Tucson okay. on, on Davis Mathis Air Force Base, like the place where they keep the the uh, all the old decommissioned airplanes. I was thinking you're going to say like Area 51. Well. Is that New Mexico? That's New. Yeah. That's why he uh, knows all the secrets. Okay. Oh. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, Joel knows no, more like, than we think. Joel might be an <laughs> alien, to be honest. <laughs> You got alien tendencies. He brought, his own, I, he no brought one, his own blackberries today too, folks. Picked fresh from the store, from Driscoll's. From Driscoll's, organic, only the finest berries. Is that your favorite berry? I think it is, They actually. are the finest. They are really the good. Yeah, yes. do you want one? Do you want the packaging? One? Yeah. I have one. Yeah, they're we, delicious. I want one. We bring berries wherever we go, actually. This, Strawberries, blackberries, blueberries. We might like really... I want people to feel the, the munch of how good these I are. I heard That's the munch. Really sweet. Yeah, they're sweet. They're like, but they're not too sweet. They're like a little tart. Yeah. Are those your favorite? Those are your favorite blackberries. I think they are. Yes. Yeah. 
Although, it, although the best berries, I, the best berries we've ever Lille eaten. Dorland, outside of Quebec, Quebec City. We just it, make up. That's that very French. Yeah. Oh, she Wait. knows how to speak <laughs> no. French. Oh, oh, do you do? Okay. Yeah, she knows. Not how to really. Speak French. Um, I dabble. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That, you, you, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we went to Quebec City recently. Okay. And oh my but god. But we didn't really go to Quebec City. We went to Quebec, and then we went yeah. into the city. Well, that's for a like, far cry. I mean, Quebec's yeah. like ten minutes away. So we went Quebec near city. Quebec City. We okay. stayed like twenty minutes from the city, and then we did all of these nature things, and then we went we to drove, Quebec City for like an hour. But we drove but, three hours north of Quebec City, yeah. which I didn't even think it went that far. Like I've been to like. Yeah. Like uh, La Pacatière and stuff. But we went to Tadoussac, which is like way up there. Like, yeah, near New Brunswick and near like... How far is... That's like six, seven hours. Yeah. North. Yeah. 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 So this is... I love Canada. I have been to one place in Canada ever, which is Montreal. Like, I, I've oh. never been to Ottawa. I've never been to Toronto. I've flown in Toronto, but it doesn't count. I've never been to Toronto, never been to Ottawa, never been to Quebec City, never been to Montremblant. Like, I am... I've been to Montreal more times than I can count in my life. But I always feel like... When you go up to Montreal, I'm like, I've hit Canada. Yeah. And then you realize like Montreal is Miami of Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So then it's like there is a really big co- country above, which is just funny. So that's always my like geographical. So when you say like Quebec City, I know it's about three hours north. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you went even above. you went up to like where the Eskimos We're like, are. let's take yes. it further. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, but the best berries are in Lille d'Orlan, which is an island like 15 minutes away from Quebec City. And it's, it's right farms there. everywhere. It's right there. There's berries. This one? Yep. It's right there. Yep. You're, right there. Yeah. It's like super agricultural. So they have, they're known for their berries. So we went over there. We actually met a couple when we were at one of the waterfalls. We were at Mount, what, what is it? Montmorency? Montmorency Falls. Ma- yeah. Yeah. Which is right outside of the city. And we ran into this couple who were, were like in a van. <laughs> they were traveling all around and they were like, we just got berries from Ile d'Orlaine. And we were like, oh my God, we wanted to go there. So we went to the island and every... 10 feet there's a berry stand so we stopped at one randomly okay we got some strawberry they didn't speak english they didn't speak a, a lick of english they taught us how to say strawberries and blackberries well, and blueberries well Allie knew how to say Fra- it. they taught me fraz right fraz le fraise le fraise and then what were blackberries uh, Lemur. oh that one i don't remember uh raspberries were frambois frambois yep oh that's right frambois yeah. Yeah. It must be like also i'm not something. french so if french people are listening i could be making this up <laughs> no it sounded I, now, now like my like 10 years of taking it is starting to come back to yeah. me but frambois? is it like noir is black right so it'd be like is it like it was like it started with an m though yeah it was, like, m- m- it was like but i don't want to say the wrong word google yeah. translate so yeah so they had mer, mer, mer. they had blackberries, strawberries, and raspberries, and we got strawberries and raspberries, and the strawberries were the most delectable strawberries. So funny story one about could the strawberries. Ever eat? No, I think that's all we need to say. So <laughs> I I like to wash my berries before I Merce. eat them. Oh, Merce. Merce. it was Merce. Yeah. Yeah. Merce. So I like to wash my berries before I eat them. I'm very particular about that. And that's so a good, that's a good was, habit to get. These are washed. He okay. was telling me how amazing. I don't wash them as I should. Okay. So he was telling me how amazing these strawberries were, that they're the best strawberries in the entire world. They were. And then we read an article how they're like the best fruit that you'll ever taste um, from this island. And I took a nap in the car and I woke up and I said, I can't wait to try the strawberries. 
And they were gone. And he was like, funny story. I don't know story. where they went. I genuinely don't know where they <laughs> he went. He was like, what strawberries? I blacked out. There's so <laughs> many, I blacked out. So I'll it, never know. It was but, the largest crate of strawberries ever. Okay, but, 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 but hear me out. But hear me out. I'll never I know. Di- I did you a solid because now, because I, all other but strawberries they were, they are now rinsed, so she wouldn't even want them. Right, exactly. She wouldn't have wanted yeah. them. And then yeah. also, also now every other strawberry is ruined for me for the rest of my life. Like right. I so eat a regular en- strawberry and I'm like, I, I can't. He can't enjoy it now. I can't enjoy it now. So, so now you get her. all the enjoyment of the strawberries. He doesn't get that. Yeah, so that's you. That's, yeah, so it's a good trade off. Now I can enjoy a regular. <laughs> I took one for the team. Joel really sacrificed there. So I took one for the team. It's all life of raspberries now, Joel. There's nothing else. He took like a hundred for <laughs> so no like so my favorite are blueberries oh. i love blueberries so like blueberries and blackberries my least favorite is probably raspberries out of the four mm. raspberries but are i tricky. do like raspberries but they're like they they fall into like a weird it's like a weird category i don't know if there's they're there, not always good too it really depends you have to get the right raspberries. yeah like if they're sweet they're good but blackberries if they're sweet blueberries if they're sweet they can't be beat that's my by far my favorite i don't I, like tart blueberries it, it, it's the pop for me i need yeah, a, i need a crunch mm-hmm. Blueberry, what, a like, crunch? A, like, like, like a like, snap, like, like, like a little like a snap. pop, like you bite into yeah. it and you feel the pop. I yeah. don't want a, like a soggy blueberry. No, no, they gotta be plump. Yeah, plump. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. like a little like it's like a little snap. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, we like but, eat them and we're like, oh, there was a good snap. Mm-hmm. But they're like sweet. Like they gotta have a sweet texture to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm down on that. So okay, so we can you actually say that island again? Lille Dorin. This that's what it's called. Yeah. So this is L I. L-E. So my French teacher yeah. would kill me, but this is how I pronounce that. Lee Dorleans. That's so, what I said. So when I was in French class, I could read that and I would understand it. Yeah. I did very good reading. I can't comprehend French. Like you you like use anything that you just said. It's completely over my head. And yep. I'm like, that is a made up word. And then I look at it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Isle de Orleans. So like nor or like Orleans Isle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The, so like I understand it. Orleans. I yeah. could find that place on a map and I could probably get there. But then people would be like. That, that could never tell someone how to get there. Yeah, me neither. Could I be yeah. like, you're talking about New Orleans, right? I'm like, no, no, no. So, okay. So that's, so you guys went up there. Was this like, like a recent trip? Yeah, yeah. it wasn't that long. So uh, you guys are like hot and heavy on blueberries right, or blackberries right now. Yeah. Like living that bl- berry life. <laughs> that yeah, berry life. Yeah, but these are Americans, so they're not. <laughs> oh, look. Wait, we didn't even have to Google it. It says mur on it. Oh, it says mur on they're it. They're in French. Okay. <gasps> is there a yeah. Spanish? Mm, no. no. Just French. See, they, they know what, they know where that, where the good is. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so keep scrolling up, Galen. Okay, keep, keep, I was gonna say so that's yep. actually why I yeah, took the map going. out. Keep going, keep, keep going. going, keep going. This yeah. is what the drive felt like. Keep going. Oh yep. my god! And it, but it was beautiful. Yeah, right, there, right there, right there, right there, Tadoussac. Yep. So that's oh, how this far, place right there. So we yeah. went wow. whale, we went okay. whale watching from there. And it really? was oh, it was mm-hmm. gorgeous. There's we, whales up there. There yeah. are yeah. whales. Wow. We saw some belugas. The belugas are my favorite. Yep. Yeah, because they like took us. They took us out probably close to like that bay area there, like in between the island. And like here? No, no, probably a little. Yeah, like there-ish. Yep. And there were there were quite a few. There was a blue whale that they pointed out, and a few other things. Yeah, yeah. There were, we saw like twelve in three yeah. hours. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. then we went to this bay, and it was just like full of belugas, like playing around, and yeah. that was that made it all worth it. Yeah. So. So this is my geography knowledge of this whole place. So Canada, I used to like intro to Canada. We knew all this stuff, like not very well, but kind of knew it. Then I had um, Shay and Annie on. Oh, Brennan. yes. And, and they're, where are they from? They're like right here. Oh, I never knew that. So, which is like, so people can't see this map. They're basically just outside of Maine. They're in Canada, but they're pretty much equal with Maine, which is funny because like where you guys are is not far from 
the U.S. Like in no. geographical terms, but then yeah. we talk about it. It was probably what, like an eight-hour drive, seven-hour drive. Yeah, seven, seven and a half. But and we broke it up because we stayed only three and a half hours away, and then we drove there for the day. But we did oh, see gotcha, signs okay. at points where it was like Vermont, New Hampshire, and we were like, "Wait, what? Yeah, like, how, where, we how kept, close are we? Yeah, we like, kept opening trippy. our map. We're yeah. like, where are we right now? Yeah. But, but you think yeah. like Canada's high, and then you realize how high Maine actually goes on the map. Yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. what's kind of trippy about it, because like Bar Harbor is probably way up. Or no, oh, no, it's here. That's way up. I don't even know what's up there in Maine. I think that's forest. I've heard a lot of people who go, like, hunting up there. Like, yeah. because, like, it snows and, like, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people. So I think... Yeah, that town's literally called Caribou. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> and know, Winterville. And Winterville and Woodland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this... Wait, where's Car- oh, Caribou? Oh, Caribou, right there. Yeah. Limestone. Yeah, yeah, so this might as well be uh, Alaska. That's yeah. what I feel like when you're up there in northern Castle Maine. Castle Hill. This feels very Game of Thrones, like Winterville. Yeah. Yeah, Winter. was it Winterfell? Yeah, Did you so ever it's fin- close. It's like the main version. Did you guys finish that? Oh, I wish I hadn't. I like to pretend okay. I didn't see the last episode. Yeah, well, the whole last season. Well, yeah, but especially the last episode. Was there nine episodes? Nine seasons, I mean? Eight, uh, eight, I, don't know, I think I stopped the first episode of the second to the last season. If you can follow that, that was perfect. That was yeah. the per- perfect place to. Stop. So I, I got like to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm just not. I liked it. It was cool. I'm like, I just can't bring myself to actually finish it. My, my like, so my wife doesn't watch it. So basically, it was like me trying to watch it on my own, which basically means it's never happening. <laughs> so I gave up on it, and I'm glad I did because everybody have asked. Nobody's like that was the best season finale. So I'm like, thank God, I saved myself two seasons of Game of Thrones. First six seasons or seven seasons were amazing. Mm-hmm. And then it just went off the deep end, but apparently that's what I was told, allegedly. So, um, so beluga whales. So, sorry, I want to go back to the whale thing. Yeah. So we saw some belugas. So, so it's interesting. We were on this really big <laughs> boat. Like it had probably two hundred people on it. I'd say, yeah, give or take. And and you had to like listen to this guy over the speaker because he'd be like. He he was speaking in English, French, and Spanish. Yeah. So he by the time he told you, by the time he got to English that there was a whale somewhere, the whale's gone. So you had to listen, and then you heard like Le Balan, like to the whatever. Oh, he kept saying like eight o'clock, so he'd be like he'd be like, Wheat, eight, ocho, wheat, eight. Like he just kept saying it and it was like everything he had to say, he'd say like sentences too. Like he'd yeah. do like Spanish, yeah. French, English, and so everyone's just like running from, running side, from to side. side to side of the boat. Yeah, it was chaos. So like a beluga whale, like, is that common for them to be up there? Yes. The belugas okay. are the most common up there is what it said. So when I was like reading about it, they, they guarantee, they have a whale guarantee, which means if you do not see a whale that you get your money back or they give so, you like a free ticket or something. But we saw a beluga within the first two seconds of leaving the harbor and then we didn't see anything for like another hour and a half. So we okay. argue, like, uh, didn't argue. Allie and I were like, that beluga was a pay- paid actor. Like that's like throwing yeah. in the water. Yeah, they yeah. were like, yeah, that, that beluga's like it's actually fish. fake. It's on a mooring, and they just like let <laughs> it. Like, Look, you saw your one whale. They have a whale just in case you don't see any so, others. The safety beluga. I mean, a beluga whale. I honestly, I'd, they're adorable. They're cute. They're yeah. just so cute. Like I don't know if I hug. knew that's what a beluga whale looked like before I brought it up. Yeah, and they make like these really cute, like high pitched whistle sounds. Apparently, they're really curious, so the boat has to stay really far away from them. Yeah, if you're on TikTok, you can look up. There's a lot of beluga whale videos, and there's one in Norway that like lives on a dock and it plays with people. Yeah. And then it was like a seal, or like a, like a seal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or like a sea lion. Didn't we, I think we watched one where like this one beluga goes up to boats and they throw a ball. Like they're really playful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and wow. they live way up north. See that little like blue map. So they're like an Arctic kind of whale. Yeah, yeah. So did you see any others? Like I always say, like, great white or like great white. That's a shark. Killer whale. 
Uh, no killer no, whales. I was afraid of those because they've been knocking boats over. They've been like knocking the what is it, the rudders or propellers. But off that's the like boats. a free willy boat. Uh, yeah, whale, right? Have you have you heard about the killer whales, Galen? Have you no, heard I, about I know nothing about whales. Oh, okay, okay. Let's, no, we're, let's we're go really into whales. Like Shamu is like who I. Oh, and then you yeah, obviously have the was it the great humpback or humpback whale? Yeah, humpback whales, I've seen yeah. a lot of those before. But those are like the big but not, ones, right? Not on this trip. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were blue whales. There was like blue whale tails that we saw. Um, the blue whales are the really, really big ones there. Um, but the killer oh. whales are crazy. So before we went on this whale watching trip, we read a bunch of articles about how killer whales out in like, I don't know, where is it, Allie? Like in the Mediterranean area, is it? or? Oh, I thought it was California. Maybe it was California. I don't know. I think it was everywhere. It, happened, it started happening everywhere. What happened is scientists believe, it, what I read, and fact check me on this, is that there was a killer whale that got hurt by a boat. Okay. And then this killer whale survived and taught the other killer whales in its pod how to disable boats. Like how to ram them and then knock out their like power so that way the boats are like dead in the water. So then this start this knowledge started to spread to other killer whales, which is the scariest thing to think of. This it, it's terrifying. They it's got, absolutely like, the, the terrifying. Most, oh, like, it was vindi- off the coast of Spain. Off the coast of Spain. Like the most like vindictive killer whale out there yeah. that was basically like payback. Yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah. the smartest killer whale. They probably, probably got like the like the head honcho. Yeah. Yeah, and then that killer whale, which was a female killer whale, they learned, and they're like a matriarchal like the society. Yeah. Yep, taught all of the other whales in her pod how to do this, and then the knowledge spread to other pods. So it started happening other places across the world. So when you think of animals, like I don't know a ton about animals. I mean, I'm like anybody else, but if you start really dissecting like communication and how things work, and just like the interconnectedness of species, yep. especially when you talk about like the evolution of stuff over millions and millions of years. It's absolutely wild. Like I was talking, I think we looked up the other day, I was with my kids and like monkeys are almost like, like DNA, almost identical genetic wise, even though they look like you'd say they look nothing like us, but you know, they, but regarding whatever I was looking at, I forgot the animal. I wish I knew it at this point. It was like 92%, but it was nothing even close to us. It might've been like a, I don't know if it was a dog or like a deer or something weird, but when you actually look at the like genetic makeup of everything, we're so close. Oh, was it a pig? I've heard that pigs are really I, genetically close maybe to Maybe it was. It was something that you would not think. I'd be like, there's no way this is close to us. And it was like over 90% the same wow. genetic. So when you think like monkeys, it'd be like, yeah, monkeys are pretty close. And you realize it's off by, I think, only two DNA strands, hmm. which is be, like so wild. And then you think like a whale, like like DNA of whales to human DNA. Like you can look at some of these things and it's just outrageous how close. Some parts of the whale genome have evolved faster than in other mammals, it says. But when you think of like the animalistic like nature of people, like things that we do and animals do and just the way that we have stuff that we like biologically just are, you know, whether we're attracted to or scared of or do things like it's, it's just. Oh, right there. Right there, Galen. They share 80% of their DNA. Yeah, perfect example. Yeah, yeah that's You would never crazy. think a whale would be close to us in 80%. That is so wild. Isn't that wild? So like, that's why when you go through and you see how things evolve over time, it's just... I would love to see a, um, a time lapse of evolution of animals and like how we got... Obviously, like the Homo sapiens and stuff. But when you actually like go further back to like a one-celled organism, yeah, that would be a wild like yeah. time lapse. Yeah. I think they have something like that at the Natural History Museum. I'm pretty sure they have something that I remember seeing there. Really? That yeah, it showed like the like um Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank exactly. you, Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 what they showed is like how a lot of aquatic species, I mean, started in water and then like, you know, 
crawled up on land and and their fins turned into feet and so on and so forth. Have you seen the map of of uh, human migration over the years? That it started in like uh, I'm trying to think. It started in like Southeast Africa. Yep. So that's where like human civilization started. It took humans 130,000 years to basically go from like well Africa, Southeast Africa like to the middle of the continent, 130,000 years. And then it kind of showed how everything spaced out from there. And obviously things started to progress faster, but it was like 130,000 years for us to go. Like you think, I mean, what, what went, uh, 1492 or whatever, when like boats started sailing across from Europe was five, 600 years ago. This is 130,000 years, which is wild. And they basically went from like maybe here to texas if that yeah maybe here to it's so wild yeah uh, ali and i talked about map distortion once have you heard have you heard about that ma- so you mentioned map like, distortion map distortion no. so when you look at a, a globe right when you look at a globe or maps of the world they're built they're made from a western perspective so what okay. happens is that the size of the continents are actually distorted so what happens is that certain countries look way bigger than they should and other countries are way smaller than they really are and what happens is africa is actually smaller on most globes and maps than it really is okay so africa's ginormous and it looks ginormous on a regular map but it's even bigger than than that so so for them to move from one part of africa to another actually is like incredibly difficult so like yeah you're kind of seeing actually, right that distortion exactly yep so look the u.s exact exactly on the equator look at how big the u.s is compared to south america isn't that crazy but because wow. exactly but if you put it on canada look how big it is and that's because an earth is is a sphere mm-hmm. so like things closer to the equator are oh yeah yep. you, you yep. know what i mean I'm following you now. Yep, 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 makes sense. Yep. so so the further up you go they're smaller they are but the larger they appear on a, on a map or a globe sorry B- back this up i didn't realize what you just said so that's the u.s on canada that's the u.s on canada if you Whoa. superimpose the u.s on canada that's actually how big the u.s would look uh, compared wild? to canada yeah we talked about Whoa. this forever. that is wild so i've never seen this before well, this is what I'm going to do all tonight. <laughs> so I knew, actually, I knew the U.S. and Australia were close. Mm-hmm. So U.S. moved down. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So like when you're talking about human migration moving across, like look at, okay, look at Russia on Africa. Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Yeah. So when you're talking about humans migrating from Southeast Africa to like the middle of Africa, like that's yep. a long walk. Oh my God. I'm... This is a total paradigm shift. If Romania was an island in the... Wow. Yes. Isn't that wild? That's I'm assuming insane. this is true, right? This is yeah. actually like... That, that, that's real. Yeah, map distortion is a real thing. Yep. So what caused it like on the map? Is it just purely based because we have to show the curvature? Like when you make a map and they kind of have it... Even though it's 2D, it's supposed to like... Amp- Right? Almost look 3D? Yeah, I think so. I don't know the exact cause. Like, someone will have to fact check me on this, but I think it's for two reasons. I think it's because the the Earth is a sphere. It's it's a globe. So, like, there's that. And then also, I do think that there, at least I've heard this. I don't know if it's true or not, but, like, a lot of the maps were built on Western perspectives. So, that is... Yeah. This yeah. is trippy. Because if you look at old, old maps, like the ones that were made in the 13, 14, yep. 1500s, the, the world looks way different. And there's a lot of reasons there because number one, they were drawn, you know, with inaccurate information. But number two, they tried to draw them more to scale. So they look really wonky. But like, yeah, current map. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Nonsense. <laughs> is that crazy? I, 
So, folks, if it is called, what is it? Map distortion. Map distortion. Yep. Map distortion. I'm on boardpanda.com. This is this is insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, how come the? I, I guess what I'm like. I wonder why maps aren't written out more like at scale now. I don't know. Like why it would still like traditionally the map or the globe that we see. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I've never seen this before. My mind is actually like you trying to process this. knew this was an issue, they would just make it. <laughs> oh my God, scale. look at Greenland. <laughs> like, can they please? <laughs> Sounds like a good business model, right? right? Like, like, let's we just make, make accurate, accurate maps. Maps and globes. Yeah, yeah. So like I wonder how big is Alaska? Alaska's, I mean, I, I know that Alaska's big, but obviously when you put it down, Alaska's oh, would, not as big as it appears. Like Greenland looks like one of the biggest countries in the world, and they're basically saying it basically covers the Midwest. Correct. Of the United so if States. you took Alaska and put it, it'd be even smaller than Greenland. Yeah. Yep. It'd probably cover like a portion of the Midwest. Yep. So like, okay, I want to see like Alaska map distortion. Yeah. This is wild. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for bringing. The, I, I'm a map. Like I love maps and like Earths and space and all this. St- yeah, like a today I learned. So it's about the size of Mexico. It's it's roughly Mexico. Here we go. Looks Oops. Like. Oh shoot. Come on, Galen. Yeah, right there. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. So Alaska's not much bigger than Texas. No. Yeah. I mean, like, it is, but it's like it's yeah. If Alaska is what five hundred eighty-six thousand square miles, over twice, twice the, the size of Texas. Yeah. But you would see on a map, though, it looks like it's not even close. Like yeah. Alaska is like five, six times bigger. Yep. Yep. So yeah. Alaska basically can fit well inside. I mean, Alaska covers. I mean, I'm looking at the map here. We got what kind of this is kind of a weird spot that it's over. But you could arguably say it covers maybe Texas, not Texas, um, Tucson. Yep. So Arizona, um, Nevada, Utah and California. And maybe it goes a little bit into New Mexico. Like yep. that's probably to the southwest. Yep. That's wow. I know. Yeah, today I learned T I L. Today I learned. <laughs> I had one I think I had a social studies teacher that taught me this, I'm pretty sure. Because I was talking about the size of Russia one day and 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 the teacher was like, It's not that big. And I was like, Wait, what? And they were like, No, it's not that big. And I hear I'll show you why. So I can't remember what social studies teacher taught me that or else I'd give them a shout out, but yeah. This is so wild. And wow. that's the US on Africa. You can fit so many countries in the world on Africa. Yep. Look at that. Is but Africa's not considered the largest though. It's still Asia. It's still yeah. I think I think so. I don't know. Ali, fact check. Is Asia? I think Asia is still geographically the largest. I'm just going by square footage though. I think it is. I think no, it I is. I can't say for sure. Now the because it's a globe, I, and it, this might sound dumb to say this, but because it's a globe, in theory everything's the same square square miles, right? If you're square mile at 45 degree latitude versus equator, you're still talking the same. Like, like shape, like area, square I area. So. I think it would so. have to be right. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I I get why they're saying this because I don't know. See, this is trippy. Like, why wouldn't you do a map that shows them in the actual? So it has to be some kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and I think it's because it's a sphere, and also I think that again, maps were largely dominated by the map drawers, right? The people who drew the maps had the power, and I think it's also but, has to so they do. They have with, a Western influence on yeah. them, but you would yeah. think that at, at a certain point they would be like, okay, like the jig's up, like let's put, like actually put it correct. So my sister just went to Tanzania. She was over there for a couple weeks teaching, like oh, recently, really? and I, oh. you know, of course, I'm like, oh, Africa's a big place, whatever. And then you start to put it in perspective. That's what India over it looks like, right here. Yeah, I think so. This yep. probably looks like eight or Russia, maybe. Yeah. Or is this all the con- No, it's not the continents. 
Well, that's that's the U.S. That's that looks like South America or part of it, Central America, maybe. Yeah, I was yeah. Thinking, maybe like. Oh, that's England, right? England, Ireland. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. That's the UK on Madagascar. Isn't that crazy? The UK fits in Madagascar, which is an island. Well, the UK. Well, another thing too. too. India is massive. So you got India. It looks like you have India, Europe, United States, whatever these are. I'm sure if we spend enough time looking at them, like that might be like Finland or Norway. Yep. That looks like France, Italy, but like Germany. Like, like, like go back to the UK for a second. So over there on Madagascar, right? So yep. Ali and I are going to Ireland soon. Ooh. That, we're yeah, talk about that. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to Ireland soon. Ali's been. I've never been. But look at Ireland on that map, dude. So that's the UK. Look at that's Ireland over to the left. Look at how tiny that is compared to Madagascar. That is like a dot. <laughs> on Madagascar, wow. and Ireland's Ireland's an island, yeah, but it's it's it's. I think still big. Ireland's about so the size of Maine. Much bigger on maps. Yeah, I do think it probably maybe has a perspective thing because of the sphere and the globe. But I yeah. also think like map makers back in the day were like, the, you know, the colonizing I, nations were like, my country's going to look bigger than yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that played a huge role in it. Arctic Texas. I don't even want to get it into that. It makes them more powerful mm-hmm. to appear. I, I just larger. feel like at this point in time, like they would have, someone should have come out with a more to scale map. Mm-hmm. You would think like, because imagine if it was actually the scale, like how much it actually. Yeah, look right there. That Look at that headline of this article. The effect of map bias on how we uh, view developing countries. So if you're up in space and looking at it, you would have to, because if you're up in space and you're looking down at it, it should be pers- like, it should look yeah. to scale. Yeah. But yeah. obviously you're looking at different angles too, where, you know, even if you're slightly it, at an angle, then it's going to appear because of the curve. The curvature of the earth. Yeah. I mean, if you actually, I don't know, Google like uh, earth from space or like Africa from space. I'm going to put map distortion from space. Yeah. See what comes up. Come on, Google. Oh, maybe not. Maybe they're still giving you maps. I mean, even just that alone. Yeah. Yeah. South America looks... I mean, I, that looks like a weird... I mean, South Africa's bigger than South America, so I don't... I think. Allegedly. My whole mind's been warped in the last 10 minutes, so... <laughs> everything I knew about world maps... But right there, politics and cartography. The power of... I'm sure it's the power of, like, you know... Yeah, the power yeah. of deception, deception through distortion. Yeah. Yep. To make people believe their country's bigger and more powerful. Wow. Yep. And look at on the maps how big Russia looks and how big the U.S. looks comparatively. Yep. This, this is like like little man syndrome for map makers. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Australia. You want to know a, f- a wild thing? Do you know um, Tim Urban at all? Mm-mm. Wait, but why? Follow it. It's on Instagram. It's awesome. So wait, but why? So this guy, this is going to blow your mind. So this guy writes a blog. Tim Urban, he's great has way too much time on his hands he does like all these crazy things when he looks up stuff but um let me see so he goes through and he has like a bunch of different things about uh population and right there probably this one so basically let me see if he has and he starts like putting in perspective of like grains of rice could go in a house and and there's one where he talks about yeah right here and he goes through and he basically takes like the average person, the height and space and what we make up. And then he puts them next to each other. So he's saying if you can – I'm not going to get into all the details. But basically if everybody stayed where you cannot touch each other. Okay. So everybody pretty got much as, got as close as you could but you weren't physically touching anybody. I think everybody could fit in like a um, 
like a box that would fit in Manhattan and would go about the height of like the world's tallest building. The population of Earth. Of Earth. That sounds stressful. The entire population of, <laughs> I think the entire population of Earth could fit in the five bur- uh, five boroughs of New York City and not touch. Wow. And, and but so basically. What is the population of Earth nowadays? Eight billion? Is it eight billion? I think so. Which is wild. Have you ever seen maps of like how it went from one billion to two billion to three billion? Like how much quicker it's progressed? Oh yeah, because it like it's that multiplier effect. So it, like it kind of like went like this for so long, and it's then a hockey all of a sudden stick it, went, it just whew, yeah, yeah exponential. Yeah. And what happened? They've actually I I've always thought it was like you're gonna have too much population, and they actually they're worried about population losing population because people aren't um, you know procreating and not having as many kids and yeah, just yeah. like you know you go from families of twelve farm families down to like single family household or you know single child kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like so, if you start going through some of these and read it, it's it's wild about space. So like at people like you know whatever they're, they're basically going. I don't want to go into all the numbers could confuse people. Um, like right here, the population of all four countries could fit in this red square <laughs> on this little island. That and, makes me so claustrophobic. Yeah, but when you start to go through, like could fit in a square standing shoulder to shoulder, it would take about 22 hours to walk around the entire population of the world. Oh my God. So when you actually think about it, how a lot there's a lot of people, but when you really put it in perspective of space, it's, it's kind of yeah. like the map distortion. If you follow, he's on Instagram, it's a Wait, wild boy. follow. And right here. So you're telling right me. Right here, look at this one. The human race could fit in this square in the Gambia. I've never even heard of the Gambia. Is that a... Ri- yeah, like look, look down here. The square is also smaller than New York City. Oh my God. So he talks about Queens could fit 2.83 billion people. And then he goes to geographical region. So then it gets even more wild where you could put like all Asia that's not in Queens. But when you go to New York City, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like there could possibly be more people. I say that as someone who lived there for like 13, 14 years. But like years. what's Manhattan? It's only like seven or eight miles, right? South to north, 10 miles. Uh, it's not a big like, I mean, I grew up in Chase So like Chase to Plattsburgh, I think is longer than it takes to get the entire oh, part yeah. of uh, Manhattan. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not that long. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's like a overall, I mean, obviously we're driving 60 miles an hour down, you know, um, like they go through like different religions, like everybody could fit in these spots and all humans that have ever lived. Oh my God. That's wild. Yeah. One out of every 15 people have ever lived is alive today. That's wild. So when he starts to go through all these stats and he puts it in like actual like f- facts, kind of like you just did with map distortion. We're yeah. like, wait, is that actually true? And you realize it is. There, this is it right here. This is the one I was talking to you about. So that giant blue cube. It's saying yep. people could fit in that cube. The entire population of I'm the like world. I'm like not so, totally buying it. I'm seeing it. So so this, I know this is wild. So <laughs> I when, so if I buy that. So he basically said that if every single person. But stood like what? It's back to back almost, right? Well, and on top. But not everybody touched. Like you oh. literally could. Um, so I'm going to read this. Is there like a pyramid or people standing on each other's shoulder? Because that box. He actually uh, compressed down to their atomic nuclei could fit inside an M&M. Oh. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's, it's wild, like, what he does. But he's one of these guys, like, he has a lot of time to research this stuff. But yeah. he's obviously made a living off of this. And this book's actually – actually, that book's not great. But it's whatever. His, his blogs and stuff are better than the book. Basically, this blog, um, it's Wait But Why. It's an Instagram account. I've been following it for a few years. It's, it's amazing. Every single person in a cubic – let me see, a cubic building, the side, side of 1.07 kilometers, which is what? Probably about a half mile? Half mile. Or yep. so. Yep. Um, could hold up all 7.3 billion humans. The world's tallest building, which is what the Burj Khalifa, which I think is in uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi? 
uh, Saudi Arabia? Is United it? Arab Emirates. Oh, UAE. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Okay. UAE. So it's there. Yep. Um, and the Empire State Building added for reference. So they put it next to it. It's probably, I'm guessing, 30, 25 to 30% taller than the largest building in the world. And whatever the map is, it's basically, I mean, it's not bigger than uh, Central Park. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like Midtown Manhattan, maybe. That's crazy. Times Square area. But everybody could fit in there. And obviously, height-wise, it's you know not super. I mean, it's tall, but not as tall as you think it would be. And and, and that's crazy to me, too, because we talk about, you know. That's wild. Oh, everybody could fit in that. We talk about overpopulation. I just, I'm not and, sure. I have to read more about this. <laughs> so like, I'm not sure read, I believe that. Read, read the blog. But it's like if everybody stayed and, not, and physically did not touch. So you had everybody, like, I think he's talked about it, where if everybody was, like, had, like, a level like a, like an inch above them and someone was on that level okay. and someone yeah. on that level and you're yeah. like right next to someone but weren't touching them weren't everybody touching. could fit in there maybe it's because it sounds too stressful to me that it I, does i don't want to absorb that as yeah true. like yeah i'm sure i'm sure it smells wonderful my brain, is, yeah. my brain is rejecting it's, that information but how wild is that so when you start talking about like population and stuff i mean yeah. just think of like the adirondacks yeah. we're in a very small small section of the world and we yeah. have so much space here yeah well so, I, I still think about the the population of new york city is only eight million people and then i think about like cities in in china or, mm-hmm. or you know like like wuhan for example which mm-hmm. is a, a pretty pretty well-known city nowadays because of what happened three years ago that city has more people than New York City, but we had never heard of it before. I had never heard of Wuhan, yeah. China nope. before 2020, but it has like 9 million people in it. And and it's just crazy to me to think, ah, yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's just when you start actually like, I mean, this guy has a lot of cool stuff. Like the distortion thing you just said is is wild. Like your life in weeks, like that gets kind of like, ooh, like that makes yeah. you want to actually do something with your life oh, because yeah. like you yeah. start realizing like, um, yeah, it, it's wild. I mean, I don't want to like harp on this. I could be in this for hours i'm gonna i'm gonna look this up when i get home it's, it's wait but why yeah. but it's fascinating yeah. with some yeah. of the stuff and i and again i haven't looked at 95 percent of this stuff um it is it is pretty wild 10 types of 30 year old single guys i feel like that's like my alter ego <laughs> life of like things i would probably be doing but don't do because um <laughs> because you're happily married galen well i that and i got three kids that and i get no sleep so this is <laughs> That'd be like a well-rested thirty-year-old that does whatever they want. Um, but wait, but wait, but, uh, wait, but, 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 but wait, but wait. If you wait, but why? It's great. So sorry, I just took a re- like I said, this is going extreme, folks, because I'm like delirious right now. But this is really cool stuff. So we went from berries to whales to, to population to map distortion, distortion to population, population that could fit inside yep. New, yep. New York Thank City. Um, can you tell us about? Just because I don't want to lose this, and we're going we're going all over the place. There's going to be if someone can follow. The, if you remember. Um, Family, is it Family Circus, Family the comic strip? Yeah. Yep. When they have like the dotted line and they show where they walk. Mm-hmm. If somebody is going to follow this podcast, this will have a completely this. There will be no like linear path on this podcast. So I want to talk about Scandinavian open prisons. Yes. Let's hear. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. So I learned about them when. Have you heard of Drink Talk Learns? No. Um. So Drink Talk Learn is when like people get together and they um you drink and you talk and you learn. And it's like the name and flies. So they're like uh, PowerPoint presentations. And during um, the peak of the pandemic, my friends organized Drink Talk Learns to do over Zoom so we could all get together. And I misunderstood the assignment. And I, yeah, those are them. They're really fun. You can do them in person too and have like a projector screen. Drink Talk, okay. Yeah, so you just like educate each other. So I kind of misunderstood the assignment. And I mean, I think it can be whatever you want, but 
Um, everyone had really funny presentations. And, okay. you know, someone, the person who went before me was like, who should Harry Potter have ended up with? And then I was like, I'm going to talk about Scandinavian open prisons to give a 20-page presentation. And everyone's like, okay. <laughs> Wait, so you can make up anything you want. Yeah, and a Drink Talk Learn, you can you can do anything. So any topic you want to present on. So this kind of sounds like a, like basically like a drinking party game. It's like a drinking TED Talk. I guess. So there's like a little bit of like philosophy and thought and... Well, and the, my friends pitched it as a TED Talk. So I was like, oh, educational. I'm going to educate everyone. And I mean, I think you can make it educational. I think typically people probably try to be more like funny, witty. So it's more about discussion. Just get like, yeah, like people thinking. Yeah, you get some like cool discussions like out of it. Okay. Yeah. So I like it was this. actually really fun. And it was like an amazing way to get together with people And there's like wine the involved? COVID. Well, it's whatever. We did it over Zoom, so it's whatever. Oh, I, I already like this. Okay. Yeah, but I know when I looked it up, like, people do them in person, too. Yeah. Okay, so you op- Scandinavian open prisons. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah, so okay. in, like, Denmark, Norway, these countries, you can fact check me. They ha- I was actually shocked to hear about this because um, I had never learned about them before. Um, so they have prisons that are literally open. They have... Some of them literally don't have... They have regular prisons, like as we okay. know prisons here. So it's like a voluntary prison? Like have, just like go put yourself in time out? Well, that's what it sounds like. But you're like sentenced to prison and you... Like there's no walls at them. Like you can come and go freely. People have jobs. People go to school. So the idea is to rehabilitate people into society. And um, yeah, see, they can like decorate their rooms. They can wear real clothes. Um so it's just like a completely different like mentality towards um, the purpose of prison and like what, you know, if you want to deter people, if you're looking to punish people, if you want to rehabilitate people. And so they're really um, into rehabilitating people back into society. So it, are they required to stay in there? Like um, they, they can come and go freely. So I, I really am not sure because I've never visited one. So um, I don't know what, I mean, the people clearly are staying. I'm sure they get people who disappear sometimes, but uh, they, yeah, they get them jobs. I watched one documentary on someone who, this one was a little controversial. Not sure how I feel about it. He had been convicted of murder, but he had good behavior in the regular prison. So he got sent to an open prison to reintegrate into society so he worked at like a tech startup. He went back to school um, so that you can just like come and go freely. And there are, I saw a documentary. So, so is it kind of, I mean, I, open freely, meaning like if you wanted to go out and go get blackberries down at the road, you could like go get blackberries <laughs> and like hang out with Joel and then be like, hey, Joel, it's been fun. I got to go like back to my bunk. Is that, is it kind of like that? Yeah, or is like, it more think... open, like open in the sense that you're still confined within this this uh, prison, like the walls or whatever, but like the actual flow within the prison is more of like common areas. I think it depends on the country and the prison. Some of them still had walls and were more like partially, but there were some that I was like kind of shocked because they didn't have thin walls. And that's just so different than our mentality here. And I felt like they were more of like, if we combined what we have as probation, but made it so you live there. So it felt a little bit more like a Is this like outside, probation. like if you go up like Dannemora, you're talking about like the big wall, or are you talking about like internal walls, like within the space? No, like some of these in like these countries, like Scandinavia and like um, Denmark, Norway, those countries there, they like don't have walls. Like they literally, they'll have like a gate, but you can, they come and go, they go to their jobs, their schools. And, um, the one there's a couple in the U.S. that I saw. Um, one of them's in Pennsylvania. I can't remember what the other one was, but there was a CNN documentary on it on open prisons. But in the U.S., there's no like, at, to my knowledge at least, there could be, but 
I think there's no like open prisons, but there are some that are trying to implement that um, philosophy. So they still have walls, but when you're in there, you they have a little more freedom. So they can wear their clothes. They can have do like cooking. Anyone can cook. They do like cooking classes. They uh, can play um, games. A lot of the COs will like actually play like sports with them. So they they're trying to. I think I think what the issue is that oftentimes what happens in our prison system is people are dehumanized. So they're trying to find a way to kind of humanize the system. And, you know, if you give people certain basic rights, then, you know, are they going to be able to go back to society and do better? Are they, are they owned by the government? Are they government run facilities or are they privatized? I don't know. I don't know that information. Okay. We can, we can fact check that. But like I, am, I said, I imagine it's, they're, I imagine like, I said, they're it's like this is like a general thing, the open prison mentality. But I think it differs per like per country. Obviously, yeah. each country has its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what like I again, my mind, when I think of prison, I think of like we're close to Clinton Correctional. So right. like that's a ma- considered like maximum yeah. security. So when you have like minimum and then you have like jails and you have like, you know, different levels and, you know, orange is the new black. I remember, I mean, I watched a couple seasons of that and then that got, I also fell off of that one, but yeah, it, but that one was kind of more of like minimum security. I think like, obviously it's a, it's a uh, fictional kind of thing, but that was, that was a little bit more open where they kind of, and again, I know this is a, it's a, it's a Netflix show, but I'm saying like, that was not like, Hey, you're going to go be locked up and you have an hour outside in the wreck. And then you yeah. kind of have, yeah. like, we see it like Clinton yeah. or we hear of locally. Um, how do most, cause you also hear like, like different kind of things like prison reform and things like that. Like how does most of that stuff work? I'm asking you just because you have an attorney degree and I feel like you know this better than <laughs> I do in real estate. Um, like, do you know how most of those work? Like when he, cause like my, like my uncle was like worked up there and he was, um, like in the vocational study. So he was like a teacher, but when he was up there in as like vocational, he ended up like his ta like killed multiple people but it was like but i mean it was maximum security but he's like yeah Yeah. my ta johnny or whatever like is that's my ta but he happened to like murder five six people but it's just weird because that's like up there that's considered normal and obviously i don't know when that guy did probably decades prior to him being a ta yeah but then you also wonder like you know the idea of like people change and then all this kind of stuff and like i think most people can i mean i've I'm 33 and I feel like I've gone through different variations of my life already mm-hmm. where you just kind of change and, you know, things that you have interest in or habits or just, you know, things that, you know, you change as a person or learn or grow or whatever. So you also feel like if someone's been in prison for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, like you would expect they're probably different than when they went in. But I, I don't know how that all works. And obviously there's some people that I have no clue. They might come out and they're just as they go right back in the prison because they don't know how to function. Yeah. I don't I'm- know. I my knowledge of prison is not very good. I don't watch enough Netflix documentaries and stuff. I don't <laughs> That's watch enough the murder one I mysteries. Told you about J- jailbirds. Um, jailbirds is yeah. interesting on Netflix. It's, a, it's, it's um, scary. Is it Sacramento? I haven't seen it. In yeah, a while. I think yeah. it's a Sacramento like a county jail. No, it's a yeah. county, jail, county jail. But it okay. it shows like very vividly what's going on in the jail there and how they communicate. It's called Jailbird. I think so. Jailbird. Jailbirds. Ne- yeah. On Netflix. Yep, birds. Uh, with all one word, I think. Yeah. Yep, jailbirds. There you go. Yep. Okay, and and this is like a live one. I say live, it's a live one. This is a real one. This is like reality TV. It's just or one season. Yeah, but it's yeah, like a documentary, it's, yeah, right? Yeah, it's yep. real. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's like unscripted. So Allie told me about. I remember she told me about how they communicate via the the sewer system through like toilets. The toilets. They yeah. like send like notes. Morse codes kind of thing. They no. have a whole like pulley system yeah. that they like 
stick through like the piping and, yep. and their toilet. Yeah. So so my my first thing when I thought when I watched that was well first I was like gross obviously gross but then second of all I thought I would never survive in prison. And then the third thing I thought, which I think is the most like uh, c- contributable to this conversation, is think about the amount of thought and ingenuity and engineering that has to go into a system like that, right? When you're when you're taking um, ripped T-shirts or fishing wire or whatever, and you're thinking about the fact that you're four floors down from the person you want to send the note to, mm-hmm. we have to be over this location to set, send said note. And then that person needs to flush their toilet while I flush my toilet and they need to catch each other and then you need to pull them out. That's literally modern. It's like a a magic trick almost. It's like a magic trick. But honestly, that's like that's like some STEM stuff in there. That's like science, technology, engineering, math. That's like that's like manufacturing. That's how manufacturers solve problems. And I'm thinking, why couldn't those skills be put to practical solutions? You know what I mean? To like rehabilitate. If you think I was going to say, think about. And I, I don't have – I try to put this in my, my days, but if you said, hey, you don't have to go to work this week. You have mm-hmm. no responsibilities this week, and you can just sit and think. Mm-hmm. And most people that don't stop and sit and think in life yeah. – so in prison, when you're forced to just sit and think because yeah. you're left alone with your thoughts or you read or whatever – I mean, I'll read books and I'll watch stuff and I'll just let my brain think and I'll think of stuff that I'm like, I never even thought of that before. Mm-hmm. And then you go with the idea that I got a million things as we all do on our minds daily. When, when you go to prison, it's like, I really have nothing to do but read a book and just like sit there and think and stare and ponder. Yeah. Like how many good ideas that you can get just by letting your mind settle on like very bare minimum. And you got to think a lot of those people, you know, at least in the prison system, they either sold drugs, so they, they and I know this sounds weird, but they have like a sales background, or they ran some type of gang, so they have a leadership background, management, whatever that might be. Now you could say managing a, a mafia group or something, but I'm like, if you're doing a drug cartel and you're managing people and trying to get away from federal agents and all this kind of stuff, I mean, you have some level of knowledge that's very advanced, yeah. And then you put yourself in a prison system where that doesn't go away, and now you're just sitting there and you can think, yeah. Like you got to think that some of these people are brilliant people. Obviously they made bad decisions, but yeah. Like, could you harness some of that energy and say like, Hey, can you work on this engineering problem? That's trying to like, could you work at a SpaceX and help us put someone on the moon? Yeah. If we yeah. taught you how to use physics yeah. and stuff and you, you apply that because they obviously have an addictive personality. A lot of them, you know, if they could channel that to maybe something that's, we would maybe deem more, uh, well, productive, yeah, I, think, I guess. Yeah, versus, yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's the whole, um, you know, argument for prison reform and for making it more of a rehabilitative process. Um, you know, teaching people skills and that there's a benefit to society, actually, if you're helping these people to um, do something that can contribute to society rather than come out and not have anything and maybe just go back to committing crimes again. But I think it's controversial because then you have people – I mean, if you look at like the worst crimes and not everyone's in there for this, obviously, but, you know, if someone had someone whose family member was like beaten or murdered or, you know, very injured or some atrocity, I don't think they want to, people don't want to hear like, oh, we're just going to give this person some art classes or some history classes. Like, so I think it's a really hard thing for people to digest. And so I do think it also probably depends on the person, the circumstances, um, but yeah, so I, I think it's hard, but I think there is an argument that it could benefit society if you're giving people skills 
that maybe because of the life circumstances, they didn't have those opportunities before. And I think too that uh, just to build off from that, Ali, I think we're seeing that here locally, not to to that degree, not like Scandinavian open prisons, but I think it benefits not only those folks who are incarcerated and society as a whole, but there's other really tangible impacts and benefits. And one of them is Clinton Community College here in Plattsburgh. So Clinton Community College gets a lot of community colleges across the country, but specifically in New York State, get their funding based on FTEs, full-time enrolled students. So the state counts how many students are enrolled, and then they get funding based on that number. Clinton Community College is trying to work, and I think they're approved. I don't want to speak for them, but I think I heard at the last meeting they're approved to go in and do education, like educate uh, those who are incarcerated at Clinton Correctional Facility. And now those inmates count towards their FTEs. So the college gets more funding because of that. And so that benefits our local community college, which teaches a lot of people, but also benefits those who are incarcerated and the community as a whole, because now there's less, there's uh, less recidivism, there's less crime, hopefully those people can have jobs after. Um, I just think it's great. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. I well, it was funny, my uh, saw my uncle a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about soccer, and he, he likes soccer and stuff. And he said, so yet, like, there's a, uh, men's league soccer that's been playing for like many, many, many years. And he said back when he played, they were one of the first founding members. There was a Clinton correctional team. They would actually really? go to the prison and he goes, they only played home games. So you went and they, <laughs> yeah. they, they played there, but they actually played, they were part of the team or part of the league. So, wow. so they did have some, like at that point, some kind of leagues and rec stuff back then, which is, interesting. Um, yeah, he goes, you just went and played in the yard, but he goes, a lot of them are, you know, there was a lot of, especially uh, you know, people from South America and Latin America, and they were really big in soccer, and they came up here, and that was like what they gravitated towards during mm. the free time. But they ended up putting a team together, so you just go play in prison. So it was like weird to think of because you're like, like that was just a normal thing back then. I, yeah. I mean, I don't think they they don't, definitely don't do it now, but I don't know when they got rid of it. Um, that that seemed like it would work, you know what I mean? Especially if you're getting funding for a school. Yeah, yeah. I just think there's a lot of opportunity, like Mariah Shock Camp. Like, you, do you know about that? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's closed now. I think it was one of the, the prisons that closed during the like the most recent closures. But it was it was like um it was more of an open concept prison in in Mariah oh. where they could SUNY. yeah exactly higher education prison programs through SUNY yep and maybe Clinton Community College is in the process but see North Country Community College uh, Potsdam uh, Jefferson Community out in Watertown so there's a lot of local SUNY schools that do this um, and they send educators into the facilities and teach classes like actual college classes and then these individuals can graduate with uh with an associate's degree yeah it's incredible and i think that's a step in the right direction definitely not you know as innovative as like you know. well i think that to have someone go into prison and just like a bad term but like rot in prison you know what i mean it's like it's kind of well it depends like they're never coming out but still it's like well, if they're not going anywhere, at least we can maybe try to get them, like I said, productive. And they can still use, even though they physically can't leave the walls, it's like, you know, can they add, you know, add something to yeah. humans or the civilization through education? Or, yeah. again, if they have time to think or do or process or manufacture or whatever, it's like... Yeah. Well, and a lot of people, I feel so many people who are in prison are, they are coming out. They have relatively short sentences. Mm-hmm. I mean, it again, it depends if you're in a max security, a minimum security. Some people have life sentences. Some people have one to two years. You know, so there are so many people who are getting shorter sentences who, you know, I, I think prisons are doing, you know, there are education programs, I but I, I think it's like, what can we... <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> Pulling out the calculator. Yeah. I mean, that's a little over 10 years. Uh, whoops. If that's the 12 average. 12 years. Well, uh, 12 times 12 is 144. So that's 
Divided it's also kind of gross, you know, measure. 12 years, yeah. 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 12 years in three months. Yeah, yep. I mean, so I think it's important to say what, you know, what can we do to, you know, help give these people the tools for them to succeed and also so they can contribute to society and, you know, not let this, a situation like that happen again. Um, and then that obviously goes hand in hand with like mental health services. Um, you know, it depends on the person and the situation. Hmm. There's like that movie, uh, we were just talking about this the other day, Shawshank Redemption. Great movie. A great movie. And do you remember the old man who gets out of prison in that movie? What happens? He doesn't know how to, he's oh, yeah. lived his entire life in prison. Yeah, goes So right when back. He, he goes right back, he continues to go back. And mm-hmm. then eventually when they say he, they're not going to take him anymore, he ends up, you know, he can't live with himself. He just can't live with himself anymore yeah. because that's the life that he knows. And and it, they've, they've built a world where they're almost... Um, yeah, they're not non-functioning outside yeah, the walls. Yeah, non-functioning outside the walls. Yeah, that's a great way to put um, it. Do you know actually the uh, this is totally different, to, kind of a lighter thing, but the guy, the main character in that is it uh, is it Tim Robbins? Yes, went yeah. to Plastic State. Did he? He did. Fun fact. I did not oh. know. Fun that. fact. Yeah, Tim that Robbins, Plastic State. I think he went like two years there. Oh. Oh wow. Yeah. So I I know this is a. Uh, oh, and went to SUNY Plattsburgh right there. Yeah. Yep. Back in like the seventies, I think it was. Wow. Yep. Was he from the area? Uh, I do not know that. Um, yeah, right here. So here's your famous Plastic State people. Tim Robbins. Oh. Of course, Anthony Weiner. Yeah. Great with the camera. Dave Annable. Um, he was an actor, right? Annable? I don't know. Some... Yeah, he actor. Nancy Kess, science fiction writer. Okay. Hmm. Owen Benjamin. He sounds... Comedian? Comic, yep. Michael Rispoli. Ris... Sopranos. Tom Chapin, I knew. He's... His brother was actually Harry Chapin, uh, Cats in the Cradle. Fun fact, too, Tom Chapin's brother, Harry, died in a car accident. And I don't know why I know this. Um, And um, I believe American Pie by Don McLean is about the day the music died. I think it's him. I could be wrong. That could be Buddy Holly, too. But it's one of those guys. I might be wrong on that. That I should fact check that. That actually now thinking of it, I think Buddy Holly had bigger presence. might have been about him. But um, Oh, my goodness. Doug Hoffman made the list. Interesting. Public accountant, right? Yeah, he ran for Congress, yeah. I don't think yeah. that last one's right. I don't think the last one's <laughs> right. Oh, we're going to fact check that. Now I'm going to have to fact check is that the same? Is that the same Barack Obama I think went to wherever he went? <laughs> could, could you imagine if he did for like a week and he, no one knew? He's actually like, I went, I, I went to the uh, orientation. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. I had bigger plans for my life than, than the upstate New York. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, so that was cool. Um, fun fact, Tim Robbins. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was okay. We're gonna we're gonna take a jump off of prisons. Um, writing process for a novel. But th- I'm giving you very bad intros. We're just like giving. <laughs> I feel like we're playing like charades, being like yeah, writing ready, process go, for a novel. Act it um, out. Yes, <laughs> so, writing process for a novel. You guys are writing together. Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna let Allie kick this one off because Allie's been writing way 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 longer than i have this is my first foray into writing so i'm gonna let Allie take this take this one to start (laughs) well okay i'm 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 in it i'm just gonna listen yeah great i mean so yeah we're writing we're writing a novel it's a ya fantasy novel um young young adult adult, yeah um so yeah we're we're actually just figuring out our writing process right now though i've written nothing that's been published but the past couple years i studied screenwriting as an undergrad Okay. And then naturally was like, but I want to be a lawyer now instead. Um, but I got back into writing um, actually during the pandemic. And um, 
so I was I worked on I wrote finished a children's book I started a couple books that didn't I you know they didn't really go anywhere and then we had this idea that struck us and we made a 40 page outline yep. um, we outlined wow. like and mapped out the entire book and plot and now we've started writing it and yeah, we've been trying to figure out how to um, kind of like the best process to write as co-authors. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, and the 40 page outline is super detailed. We did all the characters, all of the locations, every single chapter, all the major plot points. Like it's, I think it's a winner. I think it is. And and we wrote the prologue. We like yeah. tested out a couple of different ways to like figure out if we should like take turns or write two separate versions and then like put them together. And we're still trying to figure out what the best way is to do it. Yeah, and finding and making um, our voices into one. It's finding our voice as like two different people. Because I think every writer has their voice. Um, So it's really interesting trying to find like, okay, what's the voice that's going to best benefit the story and resonate with young readers? And also what's going to be our collective author voice? But it's so funny because we wrote the prologue and what we realized is that we had no, we never put a prologue in the outline. So we started chapter one very, very quickly. And then Allie was like, I think we need a prologue. And I was like, I think you're right. And she's right 100% of the time. So when she says something, Good I listen. Yeah, no, I'm serious. <laughs> so she's like, we need a prologue. I was like, 100%. So we started writing the prologue and we didn't have any of the points mapped out in the prologue. And, no. and a lot of our stuff overlapped. It was like the same. It, it was, was almost crazy. These, it, like we were writing on a Google Doc, but like apart, like okay. separately. And, and we promised we're like, hey, we can't look at each other. Like we're not going to look done. at each other's. And it was so wild because we didn't map out any of that part. And it was our prologues were pretty much the same Almost thing. the same thing. So yeah. we, and we were like, wait, what? So the again, just, so the prologue is like a, a, a prequel introduction to the book. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. kind of like maybe backstory or just yeah. kind of things you want the reader to know before yeah. diving in. Exactly. So you after you had all the outlines, you had kind of the same background idea for the characters or the mm-hmm. themes or yep. experiences yep. yeah yeah okay so it like all came together naturally like we didn't map out the prologue but what we realized is we had this world that we had built through this outline process which took us weeks mm-hmm. maybe even more than a month and like we worked on it everywhere we'd go to like lake placid we sit at mirror lake in a couple of times and like we went read to the beach we did really lots well of beach yeah writing. we were really productive at Sable point beach yeah great yeah um, it's cool beach yeah yeah yep. So, yeah, we were just, like, constantly writing. We'd go for walks, and we'd get ideas, and just start. I'd start, like, typing it on my phone. Yep, yep. Um, but we did the same thing with Chapter 1. We also, we, we mapped out, like, where we wanted the plot to go, but then we started writing it, and again, we didn't look at each other's, because we wanted to kind of try to write separately first to see what we liked better, and we had so many similar mm-hmm. things, like, just, like, details that we hadn't talked about, like... There's this first scene. We're not going to talk too much about the plot because it's very new. But there's a the first scene has, is like a diner scene, and we hadn't talked about this. And we both had a, pil- a pink milkshake. milkshake that spilled a on pink the, milkshake? a pink yeah. milkshake, a strawberry milkshake that spilled a pink liquid all over the table and like whipped cream. And it was just the way we described it was literally the same. Yeah, and then we were kind of like, Wait, and we what? hadn't like decided that no. that wasn't like yeah. something we had talked about. So, so, so in fact, I love reading, and I I I think. Deep down, I would love to write a book at some point because I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, this is when I say like write a book, this is like bucket list down the road. But my thought when you would make a book, you obviously have the characters, but like, what's the first thought? Is it like a theme? Is it a time period? Is it a style? Like, because I, because I think that I feel like, like you said, young adult, like 
and I, I think of um, like I've had Mark Berry on the podcast, and he's written some historical fiction oh, books, yeah, and yeah. you start looking at. Like, like he's talking about that, and my mind goes, "You have to fact check everything because yep. you're yeah. talking, t- yep. you're you're talking time period three hundred years ago, where you know when you see a lot of it, he's like, I got to make sure what I'm even saying was around in that time period. Yep. Like it wasn't discovered yeah. in 1890, and I'm talking about 1881. Yep. And I think that level of detail, and I I like like a like a Dan Brown book. Well, Dan Brown doesn't do all his own research. He has right. people now on his team that research. But then you even look like a Harry Potter where you have like J.K. Rowling that wrote this seven-page book or you can take Game of Thrones or any of these. I just – I've read the Harry Potter book. So like you take a – you know, she wrote that over probably a 10 to 12-year period of time, ballpark. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of using rough numbers there. So she had this like however many thousands of pages that was telling the storyline. And if you – I mean have you guys read those books? Mm-hmm. Like when you think yeah. like – think like Harry Potter, like there's details in the seventh book that – you don't realize that tied to the first book, right? I mean, yeah. like, when yeah. you start thinking like, so she obviously must have had that fine detail in her memory in 97 when the first book came out, but the last book, maybe, let's say 2000, I don't know, 10, it came out, whenever. Yep. Like that doesn't actually get published for 13 more years, but she has this plan that was probably drafted out back in the mid 90s or early 90s. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in my head, it's like, being that having that much level of detail where you can tie the story in and then you hit it with that and like that now makes sense because that person did something 10 years ago in this book that's now coming to fruition yeah and that's something it's interesting because um like you just said about someone who has to someone who's doing a historical piece um whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you're constantly fact checking to see if mm -hmm. you're right you need to be accurate um so i think with fiction and fantasy you have to be accurate in a different way so as you're world building you're creating all your own rules and you're creating your own world but you also have to remember it because your book has to be accurate within your world so even though we've just you know we've just started writing the chapters and we've only completed the outline by the end we still had to be like okay let's look back like what did they say in chapter one or what did Mm -hmm. they say in chapter seven where were they you know so you still have to have the rules have to make sense and still be accurate within your world because you have to assume your readers are smart and that they're going to remember all of that um and we've actually started mapping out like books two and three already because we want um when someone theoretically if we when we finish this um when someone's in book three to be like oh yeah like this seed was like planted in book one and so we're like already thinking about that like the whole trajectory of the story and and one of my favorite things that we talked about and when galen you just said this like you know a callback to book one and book seven uh, ali and i we were talking about it one day and we were talking about um when we were writing the prologue in chapter one we were like i i like going too far back and kind of like you know um, like memories you know and like Mm -hmm. how do we incorporate memories and should we incorporate memories and we were like kind of having all these conversations and i remembered this quote that i read once about one of my favorite fantasy authors brandon sanderson he's written or he's written a ton of um really really influential fantasy novels like the stormlight archives and um mistborn and a bunch of other book series and Someone, I think it was George R. R. Martin, but I could be wrong. You're gonna have to fact check me. Told said that he loved Brandon Sanderson's writing because he never includes a word that is never unnecessary. And what's his last name? San- oh, Sanderson. Sanderson. Yep, exactly, right there. So if he mentions in chapter one that the main character has a knife on their ankle, you better bet that in chapter thirty-two that main character is going to use that knife. So he never 
takes time to explain things that the reader doesn't need to know because the reader can fill in the gaps with their imagination. And that's what's so incredible about writing is you can use your imagination to fill in the things the author doesn't say, but the author always has to say things that matter to the story. And that's why after that, you went through chapter one and like, it was incredible. I literally heard that quote and I was just like, "Ah," I just like couldn't stop writing. And it, because sometimes, um, you know, you get, you have these ideas and you can get kind of far away. You can just start filling words. And I think that helps so much to focus in if you're trying to write a story that everything needs to be important and that no, no words or no pages should be wasted. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what it, so a couple two things it makes me think of. Number one, my favorite book of all time is The Great Gatsby. And if you read The Great Gatsby, it's a hundred and it's under two hundred pages. Same thing too. There's not a lot of wasted words in that book. Yep. And then I heard a quote. Um, I forgot who said the quote. Um, it was probably like a Ben Franklin quote or something like that. He's like, I would have wrote a shorter letter, but I didn't have time because the idea <laughs> behind it is like you know it's like it's harder. It's easier to add. It's much more. If you can refine things down to their very basic, you've actually done more work because you've actually, you know, stripped everything down. It's like basically I taking a long, um, you know, algebra problem, simplifying it down to X equals two. Yeah. yeah. And really the, the, and I try to do this in a lot of stuff that I come up against. It's like, can I simplify this down and what doesn't need to be there? And like, what's essential? And are we just wasting effort or time or yeah. things and things that don't matter? And I, like one of my least favorite authors, he's a, I mean, I mean, John Steinbeck. I'm not a big fan of John Steinbeck. I've I've tried to get through East of Eden. I I read it through the pandemic. I'm like 100 pages, haven't finished it. And then Grapes of Wrath. Grapes of Wrath. I didn't oh. read it in school. We were supposed to. Hopefully, my teachers forgive me. Never actually read it. But the the whole idea there's there's a lot of descriptive words. But I found like there's a point where there's, and it's a different style like that yeah. people like. But I find like spending two pages describing the way the sun's hitting grass to me is like missing the mm-hmm. flow and, yes. I, and some people like that stuff but like i like fast pace where like you said me the guy's too. got a knife and the knife comes out and it's like i want to go through the story and experience it and i know there's a different sensation when you read different books and like some have more detail and are longer and are wordier but um like when you guys put it on a scale of essential basic to John Steinbeck like where do you think it falls in that and like if John Steinbeck's a 10 and like very like you think it's under five like where it's a little bit more concise or do you think it's more descriptive concise I mean yeah I think it's concise and it's it's fast-paced I mean what we have so far because I think I think with YA you have to be too because you're holding young readers attention and you want to keep the story um exciting and fast-paced and moving um so that i think that's what we're going for mm-hmm. but yeah i think both serve a purpose there's an author i like um stephanie danlor who she wrote sweet bitter and um which is, feels very memoir like and is essentially a memoir what's her last name a danler d-a-n-l-e-r yeah um so sweet bitter bitter feels very memoir like and it essentially kind of is a memoir of her life um but it's fictionalized and then she wrote stray which is um a memoir and her writing is so beautiful and it's very poetic i know i follow her on instagram so i know she's very into poetry um and it's just it's like every sentence she writes is like a work of art but i read her books very slowly and it's a little hard to get through the plot because i feel like you're reading it yeah you're reading it for like the words like it's a lot of flowery language and very poetic and um i mean there is a story there but it uh you know, I think it just serves a different purpose. And so I think 
I don't really think there's a right or wrong. For me, I can appreciate both. Um, I think the books I'm typically drawn to, though, I love YA fantasy, and I love just an exciting, magical, fast-paced, moving world. So is this like a like a? I mean, it's fiction, but is it like a fantasy kind of book, or is it yeah. more? It's fantasy. Yeah. So it's magic. fantasy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. Because when you're just like diner, in my head, I was thinking like Pulp Fiction, where they're like in the di- like oh, that. Yeah. My mind instantly goes <laughs> yeah. to like you know yeah. Quentin Tarantino kind of style. Um, but he's also like Quentin Tarantino's like does the movie version of that, where he puts little details in the beginning. And like I, I remember, uh, like the most recent one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You watch it for two and a half hours, and you're like this is going nowhere. In the last twenty minutes, it's just like pow, 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 and like that movie's amazing. Yep. But it's just like because he's like it's almost like mm-hmm. he's like pulling you into like a sleep, like a hy- hypnosis. Like we're just gonna like. And then all of a sudden we're going to hit you from the other side. Yeah. Like we're going to pull yeah. you so far away from where you think it's going. And then, and he's done it in almost every one of his movies where he like yep. glorious bastard, same thing. And just like, it's weird. I mean, it's cool when you see that, but it, um, it, it was really neat because Allie pulled up, I, I don't know what it was and, and maybe you remember, but it was almost like a, um, like almost like a format, like, you know, the hero's journey, like the typical hero's mm-hmm. journey of like, you know, they have a challenge, they overcome the challenge, then there's a death and then they have to overcome that and so on and so forth. And then they find out, but it was like almost like a 28 chapter guideline of like how mm-hmm. you should format the the story arc the of a Y structure. Yeah. The three act yeah. structure. And what we noticed is that we kind of read it sometimes, but our novel kind of fell it, it did it naturally which was so crazy so when we were getting to like what would be typically considered the midpoint and like you know the the whatever faces a challenge mm-hmm. we realized that our story already led itself there and then we checked the guide to be like oh let's just see if we're in like the right spot at you know where we are and then this guide was like you know at this chapter you should be at the midpoint and we're like we're, we're at, at the, the midpoint. midpoint. We did okay. it. So it's yep. kind of like a so, good check. Like yeah, a, we kind of used it more as like not to use that to like, like a North Star write kind our of story, yeah. but to kind of check in just to make sure we were like hitting all those points. And uh, we wanted to follow, you know, that three act structure. So we still kind of have an act one, act two, act three. Yeah. Um, even though we're not calling it that, but mm-hmm. you know, so it has that arc. And then each book also has like book one would be act one. Act two. So the books follow it. And then each so book is a trilogy, that. the idea. That's yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, like I think of like Hunger Games was another book that I read like very quickly in order, but it had like again three books kind of in the fantasy side. But mm-hmm. same thing, they all had like a different theme, and like the first book was really much around the games, and then the rest of it was more around like fighting against like the authority world. kind yeah. of thing. Like it was, yep. it was kind of like overthrow yeah. governing kind of thing, and that. But it, it was it kind of, again it kind of built those first books always kind of just like lay the groundwork and like character development and stuff, and so when you go through every character, um. I'm talking from like again the office because I love I love the show, but at one point I heard them talk about there was like actual character book where they basically made every character in the office and they said this is everything you need to know about your character, so act accordingly. So if your character like Angela loves cats, like then they tried to do everybody that would be like a cat person or whatever, and they built it into this. So I think one of the examples were like hypothetically if your character was like a vegetarian. And they put it in as a vegetarian, like at the Christmas party, don't like be eating a cheeseburger. Yeah. yeah. So, but they had to have those small details, which we would probably not know the difference. But they said that there were so many details in this script that people probably never even made the screen, but they had in their head of like, this is the Mm -hmm. character I'm playing. I'm playing this kind of person. So do you do do something similar with a character where you're like, hey, our, you know, protagonist has these qualities and here's pretty much everything, you know, what, you know, I guess down to like their mannerisms, down to like their favorite color, down to like, you know, weird stuff like that. 
Do you want yeah. to take it or do you want me to? We can both take it. Okay, go ahead. You I'll kick go it first. Off. Go kick it off. Um, yeah, we made a character guide. So actually before we even wrote out our chapters and plot points and mapped that out, we wrote down all the characters we wanted. We named them. Um, we wrote their backstories. We wrote really elaborate histories for each one, which wasn't even hard. It, it just came to us very naturally. Mm-hmm. So we already knew kind of what we wanted them to be and we and who we wanted them to be. And then we kind of went from there so we made very very elaborate backstories which some of it might not make its way in too but we know and i think that kind of like for an actor that's on your head as you're writing yeah so i think like how just the same way an actor needs to know all of that and it might not all make it in but that will essentially like inform the character i think it's the same thing for writers like we know we know their like you know their secrets their inspirations inspirations their, their hopes families. their dreams yeah yeah and like it's it's funny because at certain parts like when you're an author you have a lot of creative choice and i think we got to points in the story where we were like okay is it going to be this character or this character like for a major decision or mm-hmm. like in a battle scene or whatever it is and we would say we would talk about it and we'd have a lot of fun doing it we'd like go for a walk and we're like well it could be you know this character because of this reason and then we'd be like well no remember remember we talked about this character has this you know situation at home and i don't think they would do that and then we were like oh yeah you're right and then yeah. we'd be like it's got to be this character so like we went through all of those decision points in our head and so you really start to feel really close to the characters to the point where we'd go on walks sometimes and we'd look look at a house we'd see a house on the walk and we're like oh my god that's where that character lives yeah. like, like that's he exactly lives there. That's what we want to describe the house, the house. as. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, you almost have to reverse engineer back, right? Yeah. Because like you said, if you have something that, I'm, I'm just going to say hypothetically two-thirds of the way through chapter one, and like, but that's going to screw up the beginning of cha- book three, mm-hmm. right? You got to keep that in mind, right? Yep. I mean, you could change it, I guess, but if yeah. you already have like your, I mean, do you know the finale of the third book that you would have in mind? Or is that still loose? Or is that like, we got a general theme of how this is going to, like um, how the plane's going to land? We, we have know a where super we general theme. Yeah, it's yeah. general. We know yeah. how we want it to end, but... Yeah. We, yeah, there's still, I'd say book one is obviously very flushed out. Book two is more. And then three is kind of like, we know where we want it to end up. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have like sequels. Yeah. Like um, prequels. Spinoffs. Spinoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're like, we need to slow down and just focus on (laughs) this one. When you, but when you try to name a character, like what goes in the naming the character? That was one of the hardest parts, I think. That was really hard. Um, We did a couple of different things for a couple of different characters. Some of them were easy. Some of them just came to us. Some of them we looked at, um... We'd pull up like English and Irish, um, like baby names, and yeah. like, like name generators names. almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like look at lists of names and wait until one. Some of them we looked up um, name meanings. We'd be like, what name? Mm-hmm. Or like, if this is what we want, like a, a name that means strong, you know, mm-hmm. something like that. So we'd like reverse look up name meanings. Um, what else do we do? I, I think there the, were only a few we really struggled with. Yeah, and some of them came to us naturally in conversation, or like we'd think about it, and and I think the the name meaning was a cool one because we'd come up with this character, and it'd be like a very important central character to the story, and we'd like have the whole like backstory and their hopes and dreams and motivations and inspirations, and you almost like start to like think about this character as a living, breathing human being, and mm-hmm. then we'd be like. If we were this character, what would be like, you know, maybe they're like, they're like a sneaky character. So like what sort of words insinuate sneaky? And then we'd like start looking up like, you know, like Gaelic names that like, you know, meant sneaky. And then we, and then we go through all of them and then we're like that one. That one fits. It this would just character. like like stick out. We'd be like, stick "This out. is it. This yep. is the character." Yeah, it just sounds or like a sounding or a phrase. Yeah, it just yeah. like yeah. sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that yeah, I'd say that that took a while though coming up with names. There were only a couple that kind of like yeah. stuck it. We're like, "This is their name." Dude, names of places was hard. 
Like, oh, I, yeah. I think that was difficult. No, because yeah. it's fantasy. I mean, are you making up? Is it kind of like like Game of Thrones where they're making up a world? So yeah, like we Winterfell have a, and, you know. Yes. Yep. Yeah, we have okay. a world we made up. So, yeah, picking the name of that world was easy. <laughs> that came to us. Um, that was funny. It was by yeah, accident. It was by accident. By it just accident. came to us. Yep. And then... But all the places within it, like there's taverns and there's like names of forests and that I feel like we're still, um, we have, we have some of them, but that, mm-hmm. yeah, that one was harder because you want it to sound like it could be real, but also not copy anything and not have it be in a real place. Um, did you ever developing, cause the other thing I think about with characters is did you ever make any pivots or audibles to the character regarding age, regarding gender, regarding appearance, regarding, like, did you say like, we want this person to be a 50-year-old male. And like, you know what? It would be better if it was a 25-year-old female. Did you have any weird things like that? With the main... Uh, at the beginning... One of the main characters. One of the main characters, yes. We we wanted a, a good... Because it's a YA novel, I think Allie and I talked a lot about making sure it was very diverse, well-represented, because you, you want... You want kids to be able to relate to those characters. Mm-hmm. You want everybody to be able to find a, a hero and in, in who you're writing about and be able to relate to someone. So we wanted to make sure it was well represented, but there was one character that we flip flopped on, on the quite age. a bit in the age yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything that like, is there any parts of the book where someone would have, if you ask like 10 different people, what that person looked like, they would have no clue what they look like. Like if you had a character named Sarah and you're like, Sarah is a 25 year old female. And then all of a sudden you're like, you don't really know much about her. So everybody has these like, like Harry Potter, you kind of described how we looked. And like when they made the movie, you're like, well, that's kind of, well, I mean, obviously he's on the cover too. But you like kind of had an idea what we'd look yeah. like. Um, is there any of them that you think people would like, if you were to make a movie based off this, segue, maybe that'd be cool. But if you made a movie based off this and you like put the main character out, people would be like, oh, I thought they would be totally different. Yeah, we want to be specific enough. Well, we actually were talking about this yeah. because I was like, well, I want to be specific enough that people can imagine what they look like. But then I also kind of want to be vague enough that people could see themselves in the character and that if it did go on to be a TV show on Netflix, that any actor could be cast and there wouldn't be any preconceived notions of like what they needed or what people thought they looked like. So I think it is an interesting balance of yeah. figuring out like you – I mean, you need to be descriptive to bring people into the world and to know the characters. And so I guess, yeah, for some of the characters, it's specific and others, if it doesn't matter as much. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think yeah. we I think we give the reader just enough information about the characters to understand that, like, it's a fantasy world. So, like, there are some characters who are taller and, and and thinner and there are characters who are shorter and and you know brawny so like we almost we don't we don't take the time like some authors like like a tolkien or something like that to like go into like physically describing the character but like i remember in one scene that ali wrote it was incredible and i i remember this still there was a moment like in a, a meeting place where one of the characters met another character and based on that character's handshake you could you could put together that they were a strong character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's the perfect way to describe it because you're not talking about their size, their shape, anything. But by the way that character shook that character's hand, you understand that they're a strong person. So like, I think we're like kind of like you know leading the the people there, but allowing them to use their imagination because we have yeah. talked about like well, I think Netflix the, or HBO series yeah. one day. <laughs> yeah, we're like, what would this look like? But I think that's the balance too. You're striking like you don't want to just be like. Uh, you know, this character who has blonde hair, blue eyes, like you want it to come out any, however you're describing someone naturally within the story rather than just telling, you know, giving one description and then moving on. So I think mm-hmm. it's how you 
how you build that without giving too much exposition on that. Yeah. And so it's more of like their essence and part of the story. Yeah. So when you like when you draft stuff out, like it, is it like bullet points? Like, you know, character A visits character B and then they talk, they have a dialogue and then they go like, is it very broad like that where you start off where it's just like a very general like, like, I guess like checkpoint, like like that, like character A goes to character B and they have a conversation. We don't know where they have it. We just know they have to talk at this point. And then the, a battle happens here. And then this character has a kid here. And then this one, we need now an intro for this person. And like, is it that vague or, do, or do, is it more thought out when you're building it out? The first few chapters we outlined were definitely more bullet points. Yep. And then as we got more into it. We were like writing chapter. We're like, okay, we need to slow down. This is just an outline. Yep. yep. So it kind of depended on the chapter. On the battle scenes, we have we have a couple battle scenes, and those we wrote out yep. a lot more. You're really good at writing battle scenes. Actually, I ended up being really good at writing battle scenes yeah, too. I was yeah. surprised. Yeah, your battle scene was um, amazing. We're both really great battle scene writers. <laughs> um. So those parts of the outline, we got like really into it, and we're like. Okay, we're basically just writing. And like ma- major plot points, like major yeah. impactful moments for the characters, I think we really went in depth. Like if we knew that there would need to be like some general connection between this character and that character, but like overall, it, it, we didn't know how it was going to happen yet. We mm-hmm. put, we wrote that, like this person and this person will have a moment and we'll talk about it later. But like if we knew that like we were coming up on the midpoint and like we knew that this had to happen, we'd like go heavy into depth and we talk about like well this character would do this because of this and this would happen because of this and there was one part in the midpoint i think at the midpoint in our outline we spent days trying to figure out how something was going to work because we wanted it to be realistic do you remember yeah. that you yeah, remember there was one there was, part we were kind of stuck at, yeah, yeah we were like how are we going to make this happen because we were like, just like the character stuck at our <laughs> midpoint yeah yeah because we didn't want like a what is it called a Duis ex machina like we didn't want like the reader to feel like we just took a cop out so like we had to like backtrack a little bit and be like okay back in chapter three like maybe the character did this and then like we went back and edited like chapter three outline chapter five outline chapter seven outline and then we're like okay now we can do this in the midpoint and it makes sense and yes this fits and we got so excited <laughs> yeah we get really excited when we write we're, yeah. we say like oh my god a lot we're like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> well it's, it's also like i said it, you're figuring it's like a it's a problem you're like a yeah, like logic a problem or a puzzle yeah. problem like you're trying to connect the dots because like you said if something in three you can add even something very simple because yeah. like was it like the world's your oyster kind of thing it's yeah. like we could have really anything happen to these characters but it you know what's believable or what even just seems smooth or seems like practical or yep. is there any um yeah I, no i don't want to ask that because i feel like i was gonna ask if there was any like surprises but i don't want to say like any like curveballs because then it might give it away or people are expecting it so don't don't answer that i don't want to i don't want to give too much of like that you know what i mean like when you, unless you want to but you know when you say like is, is there like a curveball oh my god <laughs> i broke the mic that's the curveball that, that's that was a plot here. twist no keep keep talking about it. i'm gonna I'll, I'll put it okay i'll put it together you guys can just keep chat has this ever happened before has someone ever broken your mic this is the first time and i will charge joel for this. i'm so glad that he i was trying was to distract to... from the question he's yeah. like no further questions well my publicist <laughs> told me that i can't speak <laughs> Attorney, right? <laughs> yeah. I've advised my client not to say anything. The uh, no, so keep keep describing anything you want to describe. I'll get this. Um, there are surprises. There will be lots of twists and turns. Yeah, and I think that. Oh, hold on. Joel just went. 
<laughs> I just realized the mic is not And and I, now I'm leaning to get a good okay. So I think that yeah, there's like one big major twist that ha- kind of carries all the way through the three books, and I think it's really exciting. Um, and I think it's something that we talked about for a really long time, and like actually went back and figured out how we were gonna make it happen, and like making sure that <laughs> making sure that. <laughs> Oh, you know the mic actually comes out too. <laughs> oh, oh, right. <laughs> I'm afraid to touch it now. I played with it too much. Yeah, but this is the most awkward position I've been in all day, but it's not bad. <laughs> like staring deep into his nostrils. I'm just watching you guys right now, taking this all in. This is actually the worst. Listen, it, it only took three of these episodes for me to break something, so I'm actually <laughs> Which really is proud. Actually good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. Well, okay, good. Um, but yes, there are major twists and turns. And yes, like, to answer really your question, there is a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and well, plot twist is our our set is falling apart right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there are lots of plot twists. <laughs> um, no, that's good. So, <laughs> okay, pl- next question. No, I'm just kidding. I, I want to stay on the book because I, I I do love the like. So, when you guys are talking about like inspiration from the book, do you find that there's themes of these characters that come out of you guys, like that you think? You know, if you really had to like pull back the layers and like, honestly, I feel like I'm writing this because of like something deep down inside of me that's like just naturally coming out. But or maybe like if you're a certain way, but then you're like your inner dialogue will like maybe this actually describes a lot of how I see myself. Like, you know, people say that like describe me and then like but describe yourself and sometimes they're different. How you perceive yourself versus someone else? My attorney has advised me not to answer this question. I'm not asking you. I'm asking Alex. <laughs> <laughs> but, but does does it is that something that you guys could find in like a character where you're like you're talking and you're like I feel like this is like some internal part of me that's coming out even though it's like I'm speaking through a character because yeah. I feel like that happens with writers that like there's always like you know there's elements of them in their characters because again obviously there's some level of bias as their type or writing yeah. Right? Yeah, so we have, well, we have a lot of main, we have a lot of characters. So that's like a challenge. We've, we've tried to figure out how do we tell this. So we are giving, we alternate, there's like four main characters and then the other six. Six or so. Maybe. Is there like a, is this like Um, Game of Thrones, like a family tree thing? There's not a family tree. Okay. It's no. Not, no, no, not a family tree, but there are a lot of characters. But like Game of Thrones. They're connected. Yep. Um, so... Yeah, so we we're focusing on there's like four main main characters, and then the other ones also get some chapters. But those four main ones, I think, have the most of us in them. And the first two were by accident. Yep. And all of a sudden, we're writing them, and we're like, I feel like we're just writing about ourselves. Yep. Like it was, it's just so similar to like our histories, but then like this fantasy like castle-y version, version of, of ourselves it. and so then there were two others that kind of mirror them and so then those were kind of intentionally like we put a lot of our stories so i'd say like the four main ones have a lot of us in them yep yeah. i agree with that um settings how do you pick settings because i know you talked about like a fantasy world but when you talk about settings where you see a house or is there places where you're like well i went here once like to ireland and that's kind of stood out to me or maybe or just like watching a TV show, like a certain area stood out. Yeah, so yeah. We, we talked about a lot, like we knew a major plot point, like this thing was going to have to happen. And then we talk about where would it make sense to happen? And then I think we drew inspiration from like local, like there was some local inspiration for sure. But yeah. like when Allie went to, Allie took a trip to Scotland not that long ago, like she would send photos of like some of like the... I was like, the, I'm walking up a tower like of a castle in a dungeon. And yeah. I was like, this, this is what I envisioned... 
Like I had already kind of envisioned it that way. And I was like, this is our tower. Yeah. But it was also really good research because I got to know what it felt like to walk up that many stairs. And I, <laughs> I felt was actually like I was say, yeah, you have the, yeah. And yeah. I was like, now I feel yeah. like I can describe this. Or like I, the smell or like just yeah. like how yep. hard it is. And yeah, yeah. Like yep. the smells, like what it looked like, um, the dampness, the, I mean, the, I walked a lot in Scotland and like, I mean, we walk a lot, but like yeah. I get tired. And so I just felt like I was walking up a lot of like stairs and I was like, I can really put this into my characters. And I was like hungry a lot. And like, you know, cause when you're on vacation, you like don't eat for a while sometimes mm-hmm. cause you're sightseeing. And I was like, you know, equating myself to our characters, like <laughs> walking through the woods. I was like, I know what this feels like. So yeah, we draw inspiration yep. from, from our world, our world and yep. Yeah, travels and yeah. Yep. There's kind like, of everything. We'll be in random places too and we'll see someone and be like, that is our character. Like that yes. is who we see as this character. Yes. So um yeah, it's kinda of random. It just kinda of hits us. What what um I guess like author wise, like which do you draw inspiration from specific I mean we mentioned a couple, but like are there any that you guys draw from where you're like, I just like their style and you've kind of followed that style a little bit, or do you think mm-hmm. do you so, think the style falls in line with any type of I don't follow authors? So I try not also as we're writing, I'm trying not to read books that are too close because um, I don't want to like cop like accidentally copy them. But I've my favorite YA author is Soman Shanani. He wrote School for Good and Evil, the series. And I will read like pieces. I've already read all the books, but I'll read like pieces of them because I, I feel like his writing is just very inspiring. It's very has like this magical flow to it. Um, and then I really like Victoria Aveyard, the Red Queen series. I think she does a really good job of keeping like a really fast moving pace and like action oriented. Um, so I have authors that I've already read their books that I kind of, I like their pacing or the way they, you know, their words, their language they use. So I feel like naturally I'm drawing inspiration, I guess, from them and like other authors that I like, but I don't think we have anyone. Well, yeah, I mean, you can talk to that, but I don't have anyone specific that I'm like thinking of as I write. Yeah, I I, I just think about like YA novels that I wrote wrote or I read when I was he a wrote kid. A lot I was gonna them. say, yeah. I'm like, this is not your first one. <laughs> no, no, when I was a small child, what, and I was what's writing. What's your pen name? When, when I was, I was writing, seven. <laughs> yeah, no, like yeah. ones that I read when I was a kid that like made me like we had a conversation once, uh, Allie and I, about like how a lot of um, the novels that we read kind of influence who you are and like how mm-hmm. they're really important to you and your upbringing and they like help you develop as a person and there was one author that i read a lot of uh, darren sean who wrote like it was a very uh famous series the cirque de freak Cir- series as a kid oh, i remember that yeah i never read him but i remember that I, I didn't read those but he wrote another series called the demonta series which was very fantasy like demon based and it had multiple characters and like they all came together and like it was very um it, w- it was like an eight book series. And I remember I was obsessed with it. I'd be- beg my mom to bring me to Borders so I could buy the next one in the series. And I always borders, tried to. I know. Back. Shout out. I borders. <laughs> That's my favorite store. Loved it. Yeah. Loved, loved it. Borders. Spent a lot of hours in there. So good. And um, yeah, I just, I try to think of not the writing style of that author, but the way it made me feel. And I, yeah. I, I think that's what we're trying to go off from. And we talk like, about Harry Potter. We're both big Harry Potter fans. Yes. We're both Hufflepuffs. We've taken the quiz. Yes. Um, And just, yeah, that not taking so much from the writing, but just the world. Like, yeah, like it's so cool that we had that world growing up. And so to give the idea of like giving other kids or other people, whoever the readers are, that experience, I think is a really cool idea. Yeah. So we kind of look Mm. at these like books and the worlds they created and how that made us feel. Yep. Yep. I just repeated what you said. Well, no, it's no, but it's true. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, because I would agree because like Harry, because I read them at different times. Like Harry Potter, I started 
I think I read the first book in like 98 or 99. So I yeah. pretty much read them when they came out. Me too. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I yeah. aged with them. I was like their age when the first if book came out. If you don't mind, out. how old are you? If you don't mind saying. I am 34. Okay. So we're about the same age. Okay. So yeah. So we would have been the same thing when you read So them. we like so, grew with them. Yeah. So yeah. like I just remember the first one came out. I think I was like maybe first or second grade. And then, uh, yeah, I think I read it in third grade. So it might have been a year after. And it was funny. The book I actually have now um, was like – the. Uh, was soft soft cover paperback paperback like soft I'm like hardcover soft cover. Um, so the paperback book, if you actually open it up, it's like, hey, this is the second book. It's just it's coming out soon or something. That's the original I have, and then I I actually ended up getting after the first book, I got hard copies in all of them, like all individual. I never got them as a set, and then I ended up getting the first book randomly somehow, and it had like a totally different because a bunch of books had been out. So it's like, oh, check out like our Wizarding World of Harry Potter, like something like so far down the line. But my original book is like very like it was from 1997. So it's I always like that because it was yeah you know just like the the way they had like publicized and like nobody knew what this book was and like hey please check out my second book it's coming out and it like obviously blew up so yeah look at it now (laughs) yeah it's like so um, no I I, but I think I had like different feelings when you start reading as like a third grader versus read you know finishing it when it was probably in college or whenever the books ended like you have a different tie and and. It's kind of like the thought of uh, what's the phrase like you never step in the same river twice because you're a different person or the, the situation's different or whatever. And I think that's the same if you read like I talked about Great Gatsby. I've read that m- many times, but I always try to read it a few years apart because yes. I feel like I pull out like if I read it every year, yep. I don't get as much of like a oh aha moment. But if I read it, you know, like I said, I just read it this past year and I'll probably read it in a couple years from now, but it'll hit me different, hopefully, then, than it did the first time. Yeah. And, for different and, reasons. And going back and reading the, those YA novels, like, so I started rereading the Demonta series probably like, I don't know, six months ago or so, mm-hmm. and I hadn't read them since I was probably like 15, 16 years old. That's when I finished them or maybe 17, I don't know. But like I grew with those too. And I think reading them when I'm an adult is a very different experience from when I was reading them as a kid. Like the Mm -hmm. things that I remembered and like what I didn't remember and what was important to me and now now what's important to me. I, I think that's helping a lot too in terms of us writing the book. And like I think when we first started writing unintentionally, we were talking about like, how are we going to write? Like what perspective are we going to write from? Is it going to be first person? Is it going to be third person? And like, we were researching all those. If you don't mind, what is it? Have you decided? Can we disclose that? Yeah. Oh, you don't have to if you don't want. Yeah. Don't disclose anything. (laughs) Like (laughs) I look to my attorney for why you keep looking at me. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like a a close third person. So it's a multi-perspective close third person. So like you think of game of Thrones. Yep. It, it's, it's similar to that because we do change perspective from character to character. Okay. But yep. it's close third person, so we don't have an overarching narrator like like the Harry Potter world. Mm-hmm. So we were listening to Harry Potter on audiobook. Um, we went down to Saratoga last weekend, and we were listening to Harry Potter on audiobook, and she does like a narrator voice, like a like an omniscient third person, mm-hmm. like a like a far view one, who like you know. There was a house that sits on Privet Drive, and that the house was quaint, and there was a you know an attic or whatever under the cupboard or a cupboard under the stairs, and like we decided not to do that because actually when we were writing the first chapter, I found myself doing that, and I it kind of pulled me out of it a little bit because oh, like God, our, as you're writing it, you're, yeah, gotcha. I, I was yeah. Do, I was like starting your thirty thousand foot view, yes, kind of, yes, yep, okay. and it started to like kind of like pull me out of it, and then we stopped and we talked about it, and we were like maybe we should like go back let's go closer and go closer yeah Yeah. and And i think it's more um i mean i think there's so many different ways to do it but i think you can really get into a character's head even if it's not first person 
I think sometimes it can make it more exciting if it feels like it's from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and especially for this story that we're telling, um, I we felt like that worked better. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, that makes. I didn't even think about that. Because I would think like reading, I'd be so much like overarching. Like you'd be looking at it almost like, you know, you're looking down at like a chessboard or a game piece thing versus yeah, like yep. living it. Yep. Hmm. I, I I've never actually talked to someone about writing a book before. So it's there's it's, so I, I many mean, there's, decisions to make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like building it, like building a house or building, you know, um, yeah. business plan or something. Like you, yeah. I I just think when you you know strip it down, there's so many, like you want to. Like, do you guys just like start writing or do you really plan out stuff before a pen hits paper? Like, I mean, because I think once you, there's so many details, like you said, things lead into other stuff. Like, can you be like, I don't know, we're just going to go with this guy, Johnny, and we just start like writing it and just like, yeah, we'll just kind of figure it out as we go. Or is it like, no, 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 we need to get all our characters down. We need to, or have you started writing like, this really needs this type of character to fill in, like a supporting character or like an elderly role model character or like, you know, is there elements of that um i think because we already we did plan it out because we did our character list and backgrounds and then we planned out the plot points so now and we've talked about it so much Mm -hmm. i feel like we know exactly like we are just totally on the same page like it's Mm -hmm. crazy i feel like we're like sharing thoughts about this um so that's really lucky so in our situation we're just so on the same page about how we view the world and the story that now the idea is we did such a detailed outline and plot points and mapping out of the world and the story that i think it's easier to then be able to write kind of freely because we already have all the rules and like the setting and the characters do you have the name of the book yet we do we that do. was the first okay. thing that I came didn't, to like us the first thing that came yeah. to us okay because yep. yep. yeah. I, I figured it would be the first or like one of the last yeah i don't know was, how that works with authors i think it probably depends and a lot too. of stuff changes too like yeah. i know like great gatsby there was multiple titles before they found the, like yep. they settled on great gatsby so um you know, and I, I wonder how many books are like that. Like, was Harry Potter always just called Harry Potter or was it? Because obviously it's like Harry Potter and yeah. whatever. But yeah. um, I, I never actually dove into that. Did she just call it like the wizarding world? That's like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't now know. I want to look that up and see if there were other titles. Well, yeah. I guess Luck- we can. <laughs> um, You're like, I can make that happen. Yeah. What was Harry? Whoops. Original title. Harry Bat. Oh, is that his original name? Well, I remember it's called the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. Was it Harry Potter and the School of Magic? Was it an alternative? What was the original title? Harry Potter and the School of Magic. Well, I'm glad they went with Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, so they had suggested Harry text. Potter. Where are you seeing the UK, magic one? I think, I think it still is Philosopher's Stone in the UK. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. yeah, so ours, ours is the one. It came to us right away. Yeah. And that was kind of our jumping off point. So, and like we yeah. kind of built the world. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't want to go into the title, but like we kind of built some of the things in the book to Around reflect the, the title. title. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, kind of like Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones is like a theme. Yep. Yeah. You know, like they kept it. Yeah. Get a title change. I mean, is it just they changed it from philosopher to sorcerer? I'm assuming. Yeah, I think that's but what pretty it's much everywhere else on the planet. Yeah, I don't really care why they changed it, but. Um, yeah, I just didn't know. Like, what did they say? Harry was it Harry Bat? Did you see that? Yeah, the first one. I think if you go back again, I thought it said B A T T. 
Harry Bat. The title character was initially named Harry Bat. Wow, that was a great switch. Harry yeah. Bat. Oh, Harry Bat just doesn't have the oh, same ring to it. Th- that's all almost, I can picture is a Harry Bat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, my mind doesn't actually go to Harry Potter. Harry Bat. Also Harry stated Potter. the themes of yeah, Death Yeah, it just Macau. doesn't have the same ring. No. Okay, Harry wow. Bat. J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter was almost Harry Bat. Huh. Yeah, good, good, uh, good edit maybe on that um i wonder if that was like the whole first draft or just in her notes oh now i'm so nervous we should go back and look at our character list yeah <laughs> well, got, i mean think about how, i mean how many I'm, I'm gonna write like how many characters are in harry potter oh so many what what, what is your guess before how many characters are in the harry potter well, like, series together like yeah that have names named Her- harry potter characters i would guess across all the books so seven books 130 I'm going to say 189. 157. Okay. Please remember your numbers. Seven. Oh, we were oh so far. Oh, my God. Wow. What? Major faces had to be left out. Yeah, that makes sense. No wow. way. I guess that, like, all the ghosts. She named all the ghosts. That's what I'm she saying. Named... Like, every, yeah. She... We have to write ours down because we've we've had, I mean, obviously, we're not that far enough into it yet but we've had a couple moments where like what do we name that character yeah and we have like a smaller obviously we know our main characters but we've had to look back for like smaller characters and because or like the shop owner yeah not, or a yeah. waitress yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. wow wow 700 that's <laughs> it's all you knew it was gonna be we were gonna be off all 96 characters i mean yeah six in book the one there's 96 wow wow I guess that makes sense. There are I mean, there's for... some themes where they're like in the, like, uh, wherever they're like in the courtroom system and they all have different judges and people mm-hmm. that like, so you yep. think like they just rattled off 15 names in that chapter. Yep. So, yep. um, that's wild. 700 characters. I wonder what she was doing. Just name generator. Like, yeah, I don't know. Plug and play. I mean, some of them were kind of made up too. Like there's, I always want to know where authors get their names from. And I think it's so cool to think of like where people's inspiration came from. And yeah, some of ours are more like meaningful, like we thought of them and then some from the name generators, but they're still meaningful. Um, But again, it's the kind of thing where we're not going to say what the meaning is. It's just nice for us to know. Yeah. 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 And I think if somebody like were to reverse engineer it and they were like, oh, this character, you know, has these traits and attributes and they might Google the name, they might realize that like, oh, they named it because of that. Yeah. We definitely use a lot of Gaelic, Celtic, Nordic names. Yeah, I did a twenty-three me, totally different subject. Again, here goes the. Uh, we're going all over the place. I'm four percent Norwegian. Are you? I know, Whoa, very odd, so but cool. I don't know anything about Norwegian. The actually only thing I know about Norway is it's the closest language to English, I believe. Huh. Oh yeah, I started learning it. Um, There's a lot we of. We want to go to Norway next winter, so I started learning it. But then we it, read online not to learn it because yeah, because apparently they, <laughs> they speak don't like English that. and they just want to <laughs> yeah. speak English. Yeah, yeah, well, and I think but a lot of the characters and the way they structure words are very similar. Yeah. So oh, it, yeah. I looked up, I'm like, if I wanted to be bilingual, what's the easiest language to learn? And they said yeah. it was that. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm not, I'm like blanking on the words now, but a few months ago we were looking up like phrases in Norwegian and yeah. we're like, this kind of sounds like English. Like it's yeah. so similar. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember how to say anything, but I did it on Duolingo. Like that's where I was. Yeah, was that's it Duolingo? We're doing Duolingo. Duolingo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to learn Google Translate. To... Oh, okay, but that's not like a like a Rosetta Stone thing to learn. Oh no, it... we weren't like learning, learning. We no. were like dabbling. Yeah, learning. gotcha. But but it is it... similar. They give you like mini lessons. Oh, you've so, never used yeah. Duolingo? Yeah, it's no, really I've never cool. heard of it. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Duolingo. Duolingo. Duo. Yep. Duo. Okay. So yep. you can do it online on the website or on your phone. Oh, just be careful because their mascot is an owl, and that owl is very aggressive. If you miss your lessons, that owl's like, "You've missed three oh, lessons." Gaben. I was like, "What are you like, talking?" <laughs> that thing? Yeah, that little owl. Look at how cute it looks. It gets mad when you miss your lessons. I don't know. It's never gotten mad at so me. So when you say like, so it actually just teaches you: Can you become fluent? No, you can't become fluent. Well, well, I mean, I you don't I, have the speaking component. Yeah. I think it is good depending on how you learn to learn the words and phrases. Um, I've mostly used it for French, which I already knew the basis of. So I, I don't know if it would help with like sentence structure and yeah. Like I always th- like when you talk about like uh, immersing yourself. So I had a you know you know Amel yeah Vargas. Yeah. So Amel yeah. was on and he's um, from the Balkans and he uh, yeah Balkans. I think so. We talked for three hours. We had bourbon. It was so it was a little crazy, but um, yeah, no, he came over to the Balkan War. So yeah, so he came over and he, um, he this English was a second language. He said said it took him about six months, with, knowing nothing, to he was conversational. Yeah, but that was living over here, going to school, getting trained or like tutoring each day. Um, English is a hard language to learn. It's really hard. Yeah, but you, I mean, but for someone to say like you can learn it in six months, basically, and then I I heard. Uh, you know, the idea of like the you know eighty twenty principle that like twenty percent of like any language makes up eighty percent of the conversation. Yeah. So like if as long as you know the basics, like you might know some random stuff, like those random words we're still learning. But because I think there's like you know hundreds of thousands of words in different languages. But if you learn like computer, phone, eat, sleep, you know like the basics, you yep. can pretty much have a conversation. Yep. And, yep. and be able to like function throughout like that country. So you really yeah. don't have to learn everything because they said like to, I think to learn like. 20% takes very short amount of time to learn like, you know, whatever, 50% now takes like 10 more years to learn. Yeah. So it's like a very, the, the scale is not there to keep trying to learn more. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think when you're forced to speak it too, if you move somewhere, that helps too. Even when we were visiting Quebec, uh, he kept saying, he's like, speak French people. And like, they'd say something to me and I just blank out. I'm like, uh, English. And then when we went to that island where people really only spoke French, like suddenly I was able like to communicate, I could speak it because I didn't really have another choice. So yep. I think sometimes like having to have that conversation is crucial to learning and making yourself do it. Yeah. And, and fun fact, if you want to learn Dalthraki, like how to speak Dalthraki <laughs> from Game of Thrones, you can learn it on Duolingo. Really? The whole language. Because George R. R. Martin created a language and it's Dalthraki and you can... you can. But it's actually look mo- like advanced enough that they can speak it? Yeah. Oh yeah, they speak it in the show, and you can learn it. On I just Duolingo. thought it was like made up. They're just like making up lyrics, so they need yeah. like, ah, oh, we gotta like have this saying, like make that saying. Yeah, up. yeah. Isn't that crazy? So like the actors on the show were actually speaking a language, and the words meant something. So they had to say like the specific words because like people are you know pretty crazy about the world and the lore, so they want it to be accurate. Wow. So you can learn it on Duolingo. Yeah, we should make a language. Oh god, <laughs> I just I feel like that's way worse. Than oh book. god. <laughs> how George? Are, how old is he now? He's like eighties. 74 yeah, yeah he's getting up there i don't think i don't think we're ever gonna see the final books he's from jersey wow i thought he was english like i thought he was like uh, yeah i don't know i just feel like i've i've read all of them and i just feel like we're never gonna see the last books i feel like what happened there is that he saw how the show finished he saw the poor reception to the show mm-hmm. and he decided to scrap the storyline that he had and i think he had to start over there's no other explanation. I mean, I understand he's popular. He gets pulled into a lot of stuff now. Because they but say like, he had influence on the... Like, yeah. he had input yeah. as how he thought yeah. it should go? Yeah, yeah. 
So I think he gave them like some sort of like roadmap, kind of like, you know, how we have our outline and our kind of kind of general sense of where it was going to go. I think he gave that to them. And then they did. They took their creative inspiration. He saw the poor reception and then he was like, "Ooh, you know, you know, you know, when people say like, oh, that's what I was thinking or they say something like in hindsight. I always thought if someone's going to actually do that, I want to see like the envelope like sealed up in a net thing and then you say it and then you're like, but I actually meant that. And yeah. then they like pop it open like, oh my God, they did. So like imagine like down the road where like I actually like this is what I actually had as like the theme and I just gave you guys some bogus thing because I wanted my own like, I don't know, Surprise. time in the limelight kind of thing. And yeah. He just comes and hits you with a totally different like, oh my God, that's the greatest ending of a book ever. But I fluked you guys all in the series. I don't know. That, that could be the case, but... I didn't know he was from uh, uh, the U.S. Do you know the inspiration for Game of Thrones? No, from George R. R. Martin. Fun no. fact for everyone. Do you know? No. So he used to have toy turtles, or not toy turtles, pet turtles as a as a kid, and he would create stories around his pet turtles in his like uh, his whatever it's called tank. aquarium or what? Yeah, yeah, aquarium. Yep. And he would name them, and he would come up with stories in his head head about how they were kings and queens, and like how this turtle didn't talk to this turtle, and like it was it was his pet turtles as a child that he he wow. fell in love with and created a world that inspired him to write Game of Thrones. That is not what I would have expected yep. to have inspired that pet turtles. Yep. Isn't that weird what people pull their inspiration? I'm gonna have from. to fact check that. Fact check it. Fact check. George, our big turtle guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean. I don't know. It's just like you got to think of like the creativeness. Like there's a certain part of your brain that just taps into that. Like I'm not a – like when you talk about um, – like when you say young adult, is that under 18? Is that like to 20? What's the age bracket? Um, is so like there's 20s? Like, there's middle grade and young adult. So middle grade I think is typically – not positive. I think it's like 8 or 9 to like 12. And then YA is probably like 11 or 12 to – I mean I think the idea is 18, but I think people – So like Harry Potter is considered I mean, like a young adult book? I, yeah, middle grade young I adult. I feel like the first three. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. But I feel like the first three would be more middle grade, and then it became young adult. Just so middle like grade's younger than young middle adult. grade's younger. Yeah, okay. just and they usually say that your the audience is a little bit younger too, because a lot of kids want to read about you know kids who are a little older than mm-hmm. them. Um, yeah, so I feel like young adult probably goes up to like college age or so. Okay. But although I'm still reading primarily, I mean, I dabble in other books too, but I feel like I solely read like YA now, fantasy. Um, and, and are the characters, so I, again, I don't read a lot of that kind of, those kind of books. Like is, are most of those characters like of that age group? Like, so, like you said, if someone's like 14 reading it, the, the person might be 17, 18. Like the main characters. And, and yeah. you brought up a good point because we actually, we did, I think, age down our characters a smidge. And I think it was because we had a conversation about those readers growing with them mm-hmm. as they age. Yep. So we did kind of, kind of like the Harry Potter books. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 yeah. So we didn't want ours to be too old because we need them in our series to still stay under 18. So we want each year like they're you know, aging with the reader, you know, they're aging a year each book. Um, that's the one thing I, I think I resonated with in Harry Potter because each book was a year, mm-hmm. like, and we were going through school at the same time yeah. those books were coming out. So yeah. it, it was when the movie came out, I think all the kids in the movie are, they're like the same age as me. Like, I think they're all born in the same year. So like, that was also something when they came out, I'm like, this is literally like my classmates, like, yeah. it was like my yeah. actual peers. And, yeah. um, cause I think like Daniel Radcliffe's my age and Emma Watson and, Who's the... How old are you? 33. Okay. Um, Who's the other guy? Who, who played a... Rup- Rupert. Is it Rupert? Rupert, Rupert Grint? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Ron. Who's Ron. Okay. Ron I'm, like, we- I, I'm like Rupert. I'm like Rupert's Ron Weasley. Yeah. Ron Weasley. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was cool. Um, all right. 
rapid fire because we got to wrap up here. Um, <laughs> now we're on the hot seat. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Glass blowing sounds cool. I don't want to ask that though because um, I mean I do, but I don't. Senior living community. Joel's basically a senior, so I'm going to skip that. Um, the, like that, that tracks. That the, makes sense. Why does everyone say that? <laughs> no one seems surprised by I that. Know. I think we yeah. talked last time that like you like Werther's original, and I'm like, that's that's. Yeah, I do love. I mean, those yeah. are good. I, you go to your grandma's house if you're not getting a Werther original. Glass blowing was really funny. Okay, give give me the elevator pitch on that because I want to talk about two things before in like five minutes if we can do it. Okay. So you start. You're faster. I want glass blowing. Okay. Golfing. Okay. I love golfing, yep. obviously. And then I want uh, acting in improv. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Because three I circled. I meant to hit him. Okay. All right, quick. Glass blowing. Um, we plan a lot of really cool dates. We always try to fun, find really cool things to do. So we were taking a weekend trip to Vermont, and we found, I found, <laughs> this, this really cool- He's like, cool, we're going glass blowing. Yeah. yeah. We, we went glass blowing. And the person who owned this shop, I guess, has been like, he's pretty like- I don't know. He was famous. on the Today Show or it's something like at some point. Blower. It's a famous glass blower. So <laughs> There's we, a lot of them out, right? But so, he was very grumpy. So the God, first day I we, hope he's not listening. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, but the first day we showed up, we were like only 15 minutes late, and he uh, is that him? No, 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 the guy in the top. Oh no. Yeah, no, that's that. not him. Um, um, we were a little late, and he. So it's an hour and a half class, and it was private, and he was like, "You won't have fun now." Yeah, and, and we, we were, were like, like "Oh." We're like, we don't mind. He's like, you'll have to come back tomorrow because you want to fun. Like, you'll miss out on the full experience. And we're like, okay. So we came back. We went back the next day. Yep. Oh, like you didn't even do it that day. No, we didn't even do it that day. No. no. And we were like 15 minutes late. So we go back the next day. And then we saw why he didn't want us to be late because he talks for like an hour of the yeah. class. And yeah. glass blow for 30. Yeah. But also, I wanted to make a cup. Yep. Because he's like, what do you want to make? And I was like, a cup. He's like, No. Pretty much. <laughs> he yeah. was like, it won't be a beautiful experience. Yeah. He's like, I really want you to learn how to glass blow. But then he did most of it for us. But there's one point in particular where you had to like twist the metal rod to keep it because it gets hot and it starts to fall off the rod and so like you have to twist it. What is glass blowing? For people that don't know, because I don't know. I mean, okay. I'm looking at it. So it kind of gives me um, like, are you actually blowing stuff into a glass shape? So you're blowing something that turns into there's glass like an I'm assuming? Air thing. what's it called there's, there's like, like a an air, like an air compressor and there's yeah. also like an air paddle that's like manual blowing so you so depending on what you're making you, you sometimes have to blow it you sometimes don't um but we like didn't really learn but, it because he did all yeah that. but you're yeah. forcing air into something but it turns into glass though right it turns yeah 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 so yeah. what's the material that turns into glass so it's like it's like sand. a sand yeah it's sand. like a sand really? yep. yeah that you superheat yep and it, it turns that really bright red color that you're seeing i mean folks at home can't see it but it's so hot and you can like literally like embers almost yeah you have to be very careful because like even if you're like you got to hold it how many really degrees far away. was it i feel like oh, it was like thousands thousand degrees yeah well and i yeah i walked in i was like oh it's hot in here and i hate heat yeah. and he was like you're glass blowing he was like not happy with that he was like yeah but then he did turn a fan on for me he did turn which a fan was the on nicest thing he did all day yeah, i think that was how he showed that was his how affection. he showed affection yeah 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 but he was rough the, exterior but he's a deal yeah, yeah. yeah. he was like blower. the grumpiest yeah. glass blower as Joel did really well at it. As I was going, though, he was like, 
yelling he's like turn toward the kitchen sink and we're in like this glass blowing studio we're in like a garage i'm like where's the kitchen sink turn to the north star (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, i'm like can you just stay like my right or my left or like he's like the sink the sink and he was like yelling and like doing it for me and i was like you're doing it he's like i'm doing it because you're not we were like bickering the whole time there was a lot of yelling um but it was like so fun Allie went out to the car at one point while he was teaching and he like looked at me and he's like, where did she go? And I was like, let me check. I had to like cool off. I was like, I was sweating. I felt like you guys were rivals. Yeah, we were, we were definitely, in a novel, we would be like enemies. So did you get to keep? Yep. A glass? Yeah, but they're like. They, they, they're, they're interesting. They're not something we would display. No. So now, you have to go back around too. But but I, so. This is my 80-year-old man, too, but I watched Sunday Morning on um, CBS. Oh, yeah. I love watching it. I, I love that, too. Yes. It's actually oh, one of my favorite. I live in a senior living. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I, I don't I never get to hear it because my kids are yelling. So I'm always like, hey, I can't hear about whatever. So there was this island. I forgot where it is. I think it's like, I don't even know where the island in is. In Italy? No, it's oh, not. They um, glass blow a lot there. No, God. I want to say it's, it might be, not Nantucket, Matt, Martha's Vineyard, or somewhere. There's an island and this couple does this. I didn't know it was glass blowing. They make these things and they go put them on the island and they only oh. put out a certain amount and people go and actually hike and look for them, but they hide them. It's like a scavenger oh. hunt on the island. Like geocaching oh. kind of? Like that sort of thing? Maybe. Okay. I don't really know what that is, but oh, okay. uh, but it, they, they basically take these and they hide them like they'll hide them under a root. They'll hide them in a bush. They'll oh, hide yeah, them. That's, that's geocaching. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah, do it and then yeah. people go find them and the rule is you can only find one a year. So people like go on vacation there and they actually go to find it. And if they find one, they actually just have to leave it. Oh. I mean, if they, they find one that year, it's almost like going hunting oh. or something. You get like a tag for the year. Oh, wow. And so then some people have like multiple, but it's hard to get one. So they go like, they only put maybe like 200 out, but thousands of people come to try to find these things. We could put our two out. Yeah. <laughs> I would hide mine. I would hide mine too. So <laughs> Anyone can but take them. They, they did a whole segment on CBS Sunday morning on it. It was really pretty fascinating. Um, okay. Sorry. Rapid fire. What did I just say? Golf. Golf. Are you playing golf? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you been playing playing golf? golf. Yeah. I golfed under 100, Galen. Did I tell you that? No. So end of last season, I went out with Dan Frederick. This is news. Went out with Dan Frederick. Him and I, we closed up Adirondack. It was the last day they were open for the season. I shot a 98. A true, honest to God, 98. That's that's awesome. I even, Dude, I birdied the par five on the back nine. I forget. I think Number 16? Yes. I I birdied it. That's, that's that's a tough one. Per, too. Perfect drive. Took out the six iron. Shot a perfect like right there. Chipped on and then putted in four on a wow. five. I was so proud. Like literally, I think the yeah. neighbors heard me. I like who did. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, um, one that's a tough hole. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, that's crazy. How yeah. how often are you playing? So uh, I'm te- are I'm you teaching playing Allie? Yeah, I just learned. Okay. Yeah, so I'm learning. I'm actually. I would say I'm pretty good for just learning. She is. She's I, very you know, good. I'm biased, but I I thought it would be worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Do you like it? I do. I actually love it. Um, because I'm not. I'm not like the most athletic, so it's a really good sport for me. Because there's no like running or like mm-hmm. competing involved. Like there's uh, no like reaction. It's, yeah. yeah. Like yep. there's no one coming at me or anything. Like I don't like. I'm not good. I know at what you mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everything's so, it's, it's quiet, which yeah. is why it's yeah. like so. Yeah, so hard. it's really peaceful. So, um, yeah, we went and I was like, I just want an experience like on a golf cart. At, I just want to be on the golf course. And then we did it, and yeah. I was like, wait, I actually love this. Like, yeah, I want to, cool. I want to like learn how to golf and be good at it. So she so, has her own clubs now. Yeah. Yep. So we've been. I le- started learning in May, um, and then you know I really escalated when I was in Scotland. I golfed in St Andrews. It was a rainy day, so no one was on the course, which was good. Um, but uh, yeah, wait, the actual St Andrews. 
No, so you have to. There's a lottery system for the old course. Yeah. So it was that. It was Did nearby. You go um, it was a newer course. So I went at Kiddix. Um, it's one of the courses there on the water, the Kiddix course. Imagine playing that your first year. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It was I'm, so meanwhile, fun. I'm playing Willsboro, and she's playing. Yeah, was, it's, was, it's close. It's yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. playing with my brother, who is very, very good. So he's he's a great wow. golfer. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I really like it. And um, I was just saying how, so for years, I'd say I want to try to golf, and people would, I just wanted the golf experience, and people would say, oh, go to the driving range. Yeah. But I was like, I feel like if you don't play, you don't care. Like I didn't care about getting better at the driving range, and now I'm like, okay, I want to, yep. want to start going, and I want to get like really good at this. Yeah, there, there's there's definitely a difference between the two. And like, you can feel it. It's actually so cool now when I feel like the shots where my form is on. You can like, yeah. you can like feel it. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. instant gratification, like on yeah. a good shot. Yeah, yeah. And it's so hard. Golf's hard. Like it's just, it, yeah. It, it's fun though because it's one that you can't master. So it's like you can play forever yeah. and still yep. suck relative to like. But then yep. you hit that one good shot, Keeps and that's back. all you need. Yep, it feels so good. We're going to get her out on a scramble. We're going to do a scramble tournament yeah. at some point this year, hopefully. Uh, are you, Friday. Is Friday yeah, the chamber? Friday? Yeah, Friday's the chamber. Yep. Are you playing? No, no, they never let it. They never, well, not let. I shouldn't say that. We, we need all they hands on deck. They don't let us deck. out. No, <laughs> we need all hands on deck for staffing. I, I got a so. good, we have a fun team. So if you're driving a golf cart, you can take some celebrity shots. Okay, great. <laughs> we, we just go and have fun. So it's, it's one of the, it's, I yeah. like, yeah. So we got, yeah. we got a good, uh, Good group. But yeah, if you're, yeah, stop in. Or if you're on the golf cart, yeah, yeah. Like, hit a couple shots. Yeah. yeah be good. We'll scramble. We'll just join <laughs> everyone scramble. A, yeah. Um, no, that, that would be, yeah, that's cool. Oh, okay. Last last question. Um, I wish I talked more about golf, but that's fine. Improv. Yeah. You learned improv, studied improv? Did it all. Yeah. So like, are you improv. like improv? You like Second City? Like SNL No, I kind did. Of um, yeah, it was on SNL. No. Oh. Um, I wish. Um, don't you know who I am? Um, you look familiar, but I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Haven't you seen my face? Um, yeah, I studied at Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. Um, for That's where a lot of people that go on SNL come. They come out of like Second City, Upright Citizens Brigade, Groundlings. Um, so I did that for a while and performed. And then I was like naturally like oh now i want to go to law school <laughs> but um yeah it was like a huge part of my life for a while so like improv though like off the cuff you just roll with it yes so and, and i know i've never done it but you hear people talk about it like you just kind of go with the flow so if someone like leads you you kind of just like dive into it so it's like a story because you're making it up as you yeah. go right it's on the fly yeah um so i mean from performance standpoint like, what do you think, like, what's your mindset when you go? Do you have to get, like, in a headspace where you're just kind of, like, very open and just, like, your mind's very creative? Or do you find you had to fight that? Um, I think openness is big because I'm a planner. I'm a Virgo, and I, like, live up to that. And I always like to have, like, a plan and know where something's going and, like, a story. And I remember like my first few classes I would go in and I'd come up, I'm really good at like coming up with stories. So I would have this whole like idea of where I wanted the scene to go. But like, that's not how improv works. It's, it's random. Like someone then says something that totally like derails that or like changes the course of the scene and you have to be able to adapt to that or else you're just gonna be standing there like, uh, <laughs> but what about this? Um, so yeah, you have to be like open to, it's really fun. I mean, you have to find the right team, I think, but it's like team story build. You're building yeah. a story in like a world together and you want to be descriptive enough and like dramatic enough that other people see that and like, I, yeah. Well, like when you, um, like locally, like completely stranded and stuff, like it's just fun, like watching even like local people do it. Cause it's just, it's, yeah. It, one, it's funny, but it's like, you don't know where it's going to go. And yeah. I've seen it like, uh, I saw one down in uh, Philadelphia, which is cool too. And 
it's just I like it. Like I like that kind of stuff. I'm I'm not good at that stuff, and I'm not an actor kind of person. I, I moved stuff backstage years ago. Like that was my main theater job. So when I know like theater, because I, I saw you put like Broadway down. So like we did like brought it was like Shazy Music Theater. Do you know that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like moving stuff behind the scenes like you really didn't see me i love backstage stuff yeah I, that's what i do now because I, I work with the high school my mom runs the drama program there okay. so i um help with that and i love doing like lighting and that's that's like my thing and directing it's, and yeah it's pretty cool when you start to like learn all the nuances behind the scenes yeah because like, i know you like we didn't get into it but like i know like you've done acting and yep. stuff do you act too yeah, so I used to do more acting in college and performing. And then now when I do projects, I prefer, I like love being behind the scenes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I just, but we've been talking about performing it. We've been thinking of like getting an improv group, group together. together. Yep. We improv it, all the time. Our, all do. our conversations are basically like world building, which makes sense why we're writing a book. We just met up with some of like my old friends last night at the Pepper. And like we made up like probably three improv sketches. At yeah, the like Pepper. we were basically I, just acting yeah. out improv sketches. I actually knew you were at the Pepper. How'd you know? <gasps> Did you see us? Nope. I saw you through a picture on Facebook of someone else that was there. It took a photo and you're in the background. Who was it? Brandon Sample? Was it the He was part of the group. Yeah. Was it the birthday yeah. party? Yeah. 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 yeah they yeah. gave us cake. They yeah. came over oh, and like gave us a pile, yeah. like I'm, I'm a looking, pile of I'm cake. I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I like look and I didn't see you. I just saw your head. Yep. And I'm like, it, it was yesterday. So I'm like, oh, yeah. I should ask. I forgot all about it. But yes. Yeah. You're just sitting there. Your leg was crossed, I think. And you're just chatting. And I was like, that's, I just, I he can only imagine what coming, what's coming out of his mouth right now. was funny. Yeah. yeah. So I did know you were actually at the Pepper last night. He was night. actually yes. performing improv. I was. I was. The, we were uh, escalating. Yeah. You were briefing about the podcast. Like, what do I talk about? <laughs> How much can I give away? How much can I say? Um, okay. We're going to wrap up there. So I'm not late. Um, this was good. I, I would, when's the book finished? Oh boy. And that's so, a weighted topic because it, it could be you, like, what do you think? Well, our timeline, we think that we will be finished writing by, well, oh, we're so busy. It's like hard. But if we. Like within a year? We had a goal for February. But I think but ideally, little... I think it's going to be like next April. Next if April. we followed our schedule, we could finish by April. But then you have to go through edits. And then okay. once you submit it to like agents, it's just such a long process. But I think we could get our first, first draft. draft done by like April. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's actually so what we'll we might do. We'll check in in April. No, I want to do like one that books out because then I can read the book and then I can. Oh talk my god! About then the we can like talk then, about yeah, it. We can come back. Yeah. yeah. This is great yep. motivation. Yeah, we can be like Galen. Remember that twist? Remember <laughs> yeah. when I broke your microphone? I was so excited. <laughs> remember the strawberry milkshake? Yeah. Like, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, like I show up and like it was a chocolate milkshake. I'm like, yeah, that uh, was. <laughs> that was the plot that, twist. We're gonna yeah. go back to that. Yeah. He even like strawberry. It's vanilla. Um. All right. Well, we're gonna end there. Um. Allie, thank you, Joel. Always a pleasure. Um. The book stuff was – the book will come out, folks. Read the book when the book comes out. <laughs> Read our book someday. Read, yes, Read the book someday. Yeah. It's going to be um, – yeah. Check out the series on HBO Max. We can't tell it's, you what it's called yet, but it's great. <laughs> yep. We're, it's going to be great. Um, published by pub, – I don't know, Penguin House, something like that. So um, Published by Kavanaugh Realty. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll be a publisher by, by then. then. Yeah. <laughs> I'll read. I'll read an advanced copy, um, only if it's signed. Um, all right. That's it. Episode 240, Galen Trombley Show. We're out. Thank you for listening to The Galen Trombley Show. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share the episode. You can follow me on all social platforms at Galen Trombley. Thanks for listening.